Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Thanks for listening to the Afternoons with Staffy podcast. Today, Midday Madness was about sports scandals that ruined you, that you'll never forget. And we had some rippers. Trip down memory lane, some of them from a wee while ago. Think Lance Armstrong, think Ben Johnson, even think Simon Pullman. We had some great scandals from you, the wonderful listeners, and you can always join Midday Madness 0800-150-811 between 12 and 1. Please do. Uh, then we chatted to Bruce Young. We're in a purple patch of form, uh, New Zealand golfers, uh, thinking about Ryan Fox and Lydia Coe, Steve Elker continuing his good form, and Daniel Hillier, who's making great waves to get his full European tour card. Uh, he's in the secondary tour at the moment, but Bruce Young follows all the great golfers around the country. Uh, caught up with Liam Santamaria. He is the ESPN NBL analyst on the back of the Adelaide 36ers beating the Phoenix Suns in an NBA preseason game. Unheard of, really. And also a bit of a preview and a look at the Breakers' first game in the NBL. Talk to Adam Bridge out of Talk Sport in the UK. He's a football commentator over there talking about the Premier League. Arsenal on top, City thumping over United. And, of course, his beloved West Ham, have to put that in. And a really interesting chat with Paxton Condor. She's a Dunstan Feeds supplier. That's part of our Love Racing series. I learned a lot about what horses eat and what they don't eat and what they should eat. Good stuff. We also played The Vault. That is the new game show on Afternoons. And uh, we played Mastermind as well, actually. And during Mastermind, potentially, my biggest faux pas in my radio career. Listen out for that. I just about lost I just about lost it. That is, this is the Afternoons with Staffy podcast. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome into Tuesday. <clears throat> Turn the headphones up. Couldn't hear a thing. Couldn't hear a thing. Welcome in. 
4th of October. <clears throat> Tomorrow's my cousin's birthday. 5th of October. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. We'll get to the birthdays at 4 o'clock. Good old show today. A real mixed bag, actually. Going to talk some golf uh, with Bruce Young, golf commentator and writer. New Zealand, every now and then we have that that purple patch, don't we? And we've got it right now with Ryan Fox, Lydia Coe, Steve Elker, Dan Hillier. Really is a good time. Remember there was a day many years ago and three golfers won on their respective tours. I think from memory, Bob Charles, Greg Turner and Grant Waite won on the seniors, the PGA Tour and the Europeans. There was a day and there was three golfers. I should research that better. It just came to my mind then. But yeah, it's a great time for golf at the moment, uh, for viewing, reading, listening. And so we'll get Bruce Young commenting on a wonderful period of time for New Zealand golf. Uh, Liam Santamaria, he's the ESPN NBL analyst. And that huge result, Adelaide 36ers beating the Phoenix Suns in the NBA in a pre-season game, um, which is great. It's fantastic for basketball down in this part of the world because the Australian NBL is broadcast into America. So I would say there would have been a lot of American fans watching that going, what is this Australian league all about? And they'll probably start watching it, which is fantastic and great for the for the prospective NBA players that use um, overseas leagues to push their case and raise their stocks. So we'll talk to him about that and also the first round of the ANBL is underway. So we'll just go through a few of the signings and a few of the teams, etc. Adam Bridge, TalkSport UK football commentator, will be talking Premier League with me, including City's thumping win over Man United. And this young fella, Harland, something like, is it something like 14 goals in eight games? It's just crazy stuff and I'll have to ask him about West Ham because that's his team as well Uh, as part of our Love Racing series we're going to catch up with someone who makes the food for horses makes the food for horses so um, a lot of questions for him Jimmy Smith across the ditch of course and our vault which kicked off yesterday the new game um Already had contacts from production companies wanting to turn it into a uh, TV show. Um, Sam's just, he's holding on the copyright. Um, he, I think he's holding out for more money, actually. Sammy Hewitt with the vault. Is that? I'm just going to say maybe we should, um, we'll call it even uh, with the chase, given that we, you know, basically flogged the chase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we flogged the chase, which is Wednesdays. But the vault is going to be Monday, Tuesday. Thursday, Friday, there's a $50 TRB bonus bet up for grabs. Ten questions to try and guess the piece of audio Sam has locked in the vault. Now, Dave yesterday had his ten yes or no questions and then his guess and didn't quite manage it. I actually don't know how far off he is. But uh, we'll have a new contestant today, and so it's a $100 TRB bonus bet. Is it 100 or 250s, Sam? It's 100 it's $100 bonus bet, or it might be 250s, which I think is better than 1100. Um, so the vault is down for around the three o'clock mark, just before, just after, maybe both. Um, still have Mastermind today, that'll play before the vault. We ran out of time to play it yesterday, so it's the same things, same, same set of questions, the weekend of sport that was. Um, did I mention Jimmy Smith? Always enjoy talking to Jimmy Smith on a Tuesday. He'll be coming in as well, but midday madness. 
Sporting scandals that pick an adjective. Ruined you, shocked you, disappointed you, made you laugh. Sporting scandals. I go back to maybe Ben Johnson, something like that. Um, I mentioned to Smithy, I thought his would be Greg Dye. There's the underarm. There's a whole, there's a whole swag. Let us know the sporting scandals that rocked you. And even if you think I know what it is, remind me, because I love nostalgia. You love nostalgia. And the ones that absolutely shocked you, ruined you, surprised you, it's 0800, it's 150, it's 811. That is the number. It's Midday Madness. Let's go. Well, listen, buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Let's head down south to Christchurch and talk to Mikey. G'day, Mikey. G'day, Staffy. Oh, I was only two points off that, those um, league picks yesterday. Oh. <laughs> two, two points too many, though, isn't it? Yeah, so it is. That, that, that is what it is. Good on those fellas for getting it right. Um, my uh, sporting scandal, in the 90s, I was peak one-day fandom back in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, just loved it. Loved the one-dayers. And I had great respect and admiration for the... South African cricket team. And uh, when the Hansi Cronje incident happened with the betting scandal, I, I was so disappointed. I just couldn't believe that these guys who I believe were getting paid anyway, um, that he went down that road. Mm. Um, incredibly. And then, you know, sad as well at the end that he died in that plane crash in the 2000s. But, um, yeah, it, it, in some ways a good thing that it just broke open the whole betting scandals with the with the um those these those uh billions of I guess a lot of people like to bet over in India and mm. uh broke it wide open didn't it yeah the thing about the Hansi Cronje one was everyone was just amazed because he was held in the same regard that someone like Sia Khaleesi is held in at the moment captain yeah. of the national rugby and that was that was the the ilk that he was held in and it came out that he was behind it it was it was disbelief you're right Mikey yeah, I mean, the respect he had from fellow players, um, opposition players, um, other captains um, that he played against, yeah, that that was that was a stunner. And, and you know, I was in my, oh God, what would I be in, my 20s at the time, and I was just, it was like the first sort of scandal for me that I'd ever come across mm. um, like that. From someone that you, you hope, I guess you put up on a pedestal. Mm. Um, but uh, anywho, that's my one. Uh, go Canterbury this weekend. Up Thanks, the Canterbury, Danny. boys. Good on you, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Good Canterbury fan. I love it when they just, just don't say goodbye. They say up Canterbury. I don't mind that. You can say that at the end of every call, whoever calls today. 0800 811. Let's chat to Dave. G'day, Dave. Hawks Bay. Yeah. Um, hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, uh, I'm pretty sure I heard the end of that guy because I was talking to Kez. But uh, Gupta and Hansi Cronje, I've, I've never bet on cricket since, apart from the uh, Aussie women's cricket team because they just don't lose. But uh, yeah, that was yeah, a shocker. Um, another, the game we <laughs> we don't mention, yes. that was a bit of a scandal. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Susie. Susie, oh, that was a Susie. shocker. You know, it's never actually been proven. No one really knows who Susie is. You know, it usually happens after someone passes away or someone writes a book. We'll never, you know, really, really know. And another one that was, that was Flojo. You know, she oh, died yeah. so early and she was so fast. You know, like, um, it's, it was a while there. She was just 
she was the, the female version of Usain Bolt at the time. You know, she just didn't lose and uh, had the long fingernails and all the jewellery and all, all the bling. But um, I think she died that in her 30s or something. Yeah, she, she, the... she, she died before she tested positive and all that sort of stuff. So I think some of her yeah. records still stand, dubiously. Yeah, don't they usually keep the samples and then test them when better science comes along? Yeah, they do, but I just think because, because she'd passed away, I, I think they had a bit of a dilemma. That Do they ban her yeah. po- posthumously? Yeah, posthumously? Posthumously, whatever that word is, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever it is. <laughs> hey, uh, one other thing, Staffy, uh, with the vault. Yep. Am I allowed to ring in again? You can you, you can roll the dice and see how you go. Yep, because what yeah. Captain K yeah. does, Kez in the booth, um, we we get a lot of calls, and uh, I'm not sure how he picks them, but yesterday there was about seven calls. Uh, he sometimes asks me yeah. for a number, and I say call a five, and uh, that's who gets through. So by all means, have another go. You've been you've been sleeping okay. on it all night, haven't you? I've been thinking and thinking <laughs> and thinking, and about how you architect the questions. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a key thing. I've been giving it some thought. Yeah. Okay, cheers, Steffi. Good yeah, on you, buddy. Thank you. See you, mate. Cheers. There's Dave. Yeah, he Dave had a go yesterday. Ten questions and a guess, which was wrong, so we jackpot it today, the vault. Uh, let's go to Jeff in Christchurch. G'day, Jeff. G'day, mate. <clears throat> Sorry. How are you going? You can hear me all right? I've got you good as gold. Good on you. Um, my one, my, I don't know it was mentioned just before. My one's Hansi Kronje. Mm. You know, I saw a doco a few a few years ago, actually, where, where there was about three or four of the, the worst scandals in cricket. And Hansi Kroenje was just such a a sad case. You know, he was he was revered in South Africa. He'd done a lot of charity work. He had a lovely family. He had everything going for him. Never dreamed that he would get involved with this sort of stuff. He, he just didn't but seem the sort of character that would do it, did he? No, he he, he just came across such as a, the, the loveliest guy, and and the, the South African people, honestly, outside of Mandela, they just they just worshipped him. He did so much charity work and all that, as I said. But yeah, you know, he did get involved. He did. It did happen to, to a pretty large degree. Yeah, the most. The saddest part of the whole doco was when he got caught was his self-esteem and the realisation that he let down a nation mm. and he was just lying on the floor crying. Mm. He's a grown man, a phenomenal cricketer. It took that to, to make him realise what he'd actually done and how many people he'd let down. And it, and it was just... It was crooked, of course, and he made a lot of money. But, you know, I, I just uh, I thought, geez, mate, this, this was not worth it. He was just distraught. He was just, it wasn't it getting caught. He was almost relieved to get caught, and he just didn't realise the magnitude of it. Yeah. It's that, yeah. one that stands out for me. And, uh, and I still love my cricket. And, um, you know, I forgave the guy personally when it was all over. Unfortunately, a, a plane trip took care of the whole bloody thing. So yeah, that was. But he was he was an, an incredible person, just a good example of yeah, the old do rain me can uh, 
you know, continue life. Yep. Okay. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Enjoy buddy. Good on you. Jeff from Christchurch. There's a uh, a documentary on Netflix for people that have got Netflix. It's under the Bad Sport, which was a series that came out last year, six episodes, and one of the episodes is on Hansi Kronje. Um It's called Fallen Idol, actually. Fallen Idol. Uh, so I found that fascinating. I, I tell you another one, another sporting scandal was um, the Belco scandal when you know I listened to a podcast on that not long ago and it's it's good to I remember when it was happening and there were some big big names like uh, Marion Jones was probably the big one the 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 world champion sprinter long jumper um, but then there was all of the baseballers Barry Bonds probably one of the leading ones and the interviews they had with his trainers and his managers and how he just went deny, 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 and there was allegations around Sammy Sosa and Mark Maguire when they're having that home run chase. And then Jose Canseco came out and said, yep, I did, and so did him, 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 him. And down it tumbled and fell. American sports got lots of scandals, a lot of scandals. Uh, Pete Rose, gosh, a fantastic baseballer who should be in the Hall of Fame, but they refused to let him in because he used to bet on games he was involved in. Um, all right, uh, we've got another one there. I think, oh no, Kez is still talking to him. Loves a chat, Captain K. Loves a chat. Let's talk to Joey. G'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Steph. I was just talking to your producer, um, OJ Simpson. Oh, yes. You know, um, yeah, I know. I mean, driving down the freeway and, and the cops and helicopters and everything. And then, you know, I mean, whatever anyone thinks, he got off. Yeah. You know, um, no one, well, people probably know either way. I mean, he got off, but, you know, and then obviously later in life he got done for, uh, you know, he got 10 years or whatever, and it was so sad. But, I mean, a guy with that stature in the States, um, absolutely massive. Um, you know, I can, I can still see it now, the car going down the, the freeway, you know, and the cops and everything, and then, um, and you know, it was just unbelievable, mate, you know, and, and of course... The other one would have been probably the hand of God, Maradona. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maradona, I mean. And, and yet, at the end of the day, it is and was still loved by the Argentinians. Yes. Um, but couldn't do anything wrong, you know, into drugs, into everything. Into but everything. But still never got, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, it was almost like he handballed it and scored the goal, and if the ref doesn't call it, I'm not going to admit to it. Well, exactly. But but later in life, he got into... I mean, he never got caught... You know, I mean, he was doing... Well, I've looked at, from what we could see, but outside of looking in, he was doing drugs and everything, but never got done for any of that. And and just um, idolised by... Um, not Well, by the Argentinians, obviously, and, and, and everything. But, I mean, just a fantastic footballer. Unbelievable. I mean, one of the best you've ever seen. But just, I mean, the, the, the antics off the field and everything later on in life. <laughs> it's just unbelievable, but but still still very much loved and and, and, and an icon, you know? Mm. It's incredible. Yeah, it was just amazing. Amazing. Good call, Joey. Fantastic call. Thanks for doing it. Right. Okay, mate. Have a good day. Cheers, bud. It's Joey out of Auckland. 0800 150 11. See, that's how it rolls. That's how it rolls. Our phone lines are going to be open all day if you've just thought of one. Um...
fantastic. I've, and I've got some beauts. Uh, now, Clado's listening. And Clado, I read the story about the one that you've texted in. And I wanted to tell it, but I might not be 100% accurate. It is such a cool story. So, Clado, if you can, I don't know if you're working or you're driving or or you're on a promise. I don't know. I'd love you to call and tell that story because that is a great, great story. So we will take a break. Maybe Clado after the break, if he's brave enough to ring up and tell us that yarn, that yarn. I actually read a whole book on it, but a long time ago. 0800 150 811. Take a break and we'll come back. Ah, welcome. Oh, Clado can't. He's driving with a dodgy signal. Yes, Hayden Haitana, what a circus. So the fine cotton one. Now, Clado, because you can't ring, and I know you're listening, you can't poo-poo me for getting the story wrong. But it was basically a horse race, Kiwi horse, uh, Kiwis involved, a horse race in Australia, and they switched horses. And they dyed the horse to the same colour of the one they were switching it from. And they put a, an amazing horse, but it ran with the form of the bad horse, and they punted it, and it was paying a lot, and it won. And something in my mind tells me that they were caught because the dye that they used to dye the coat of the horse was seen dripping down its feet because it was sweating after the race. I think I've got that sort of right. I think if someone knows the fine cotton story <laughs> better than me, uh, I'd love to hear it. I would really, really love to hear it. Yes, the Belco one. Um, Game of Shadows is the book about the Barry Bonds and the Belco situation. I'm just trying to remember, I listened to so many podcasts. It was on a podcast I listened to, and it was about a three-part one. Is it American Scandal? That's a good podcast to listen to, folks. Oh, they have chapters, so they'll have a subject, and they'll do like five chapters per subject, and they've got about 43 subjects. And they do everything from Enron to... Um, Persian Gulf scandals but there's a few sporting ones in there and the Belco one was one of their early ones it was fantastic because we hear about scandals on the news and read a little bit about it in the paper the, the beauty of podcasts is they go really deep they pull back the onion layers and you just find out the why and they interviewed the guy from Belco who was indignant he was just when he got raided, he invited the FBI in. Here's my vials. Here's my testing kits. Um, it was just a fascinating listen. Uh, some of the other ones I sort of noted down, and I think I've mentioned before Lance Armstrong and why it disappointed me so much was he was a bit of a hero of mine. Of course, he had the very famous battle with uh, testicular cancer, which moved to his lungs and potentially his brain and how he trained and just kept going and he was on his bike while he was on chemo and he was coughing up black sludge out of his lungs and he changed his mindset to say, that's the cancer leaving me. So he just kept training when he should have been in bed. And of course, I got testicular cancer as well. So he became my hero before the drug scandal came out. And he um, he he's two people to me. He's the... He's the cheating cyclist, or he was the amazing cyclist, uh, ultimately the cheating cyclist, but he was also my cancer hero. And so I've never let go of the cancer hero because without that, I'm not saying I wouldn't have made it, but he, he was really helpful to me through that time. And so I guess that's why I was so disappointed, so, so, so disappointed. But I did a lot of research into all of that as well when I was 
at the TIB, I did a lot around um, integrity in sport, um, around match fixing and, and stuff like that. But it also crossed the barriers into doping in sport because some of the work groups and workshops I went on, it, they um, overlapped each other. And some of the stuff I found out about the doping around the world was fascinating. Fascinating. And the trap is everyone thinks Lance Armstrong was a drug cheat, which he was. But so were most of them. But because he won the yellow jerseys, he had the biggest fall. Um, that's not excusing him. But it was it was rife. It was just rife. You know, Floyd Landers, um, Frankie uh, Andreo. Is that his name, Frankie Andreo? Yeah, it was rife. And um, he copped it harder because he had all the wins. But that's why I was more disappointed on, on a personal level rather than a sporting level of him getting caught. Anyway, new sport and weather now and we'll come back. We've got Tom on the line, we've got Roy on the line. We'll join them and you after the news. Sporting scandals, things that alarmed you and surprised you. Had some absolute rippers. 0800 150 811. We go to Tom. G'day, Tom. G'day, Staffy. Yeah, I'm an NBA tragic and I've been a Boston Celtics uh, fan since the 80s, Larry Bird era. And um, they've had a few scandals of late. Their coach just got suspended for a year for a scandal. And um, But back in the day, there was a guy called Len Bias that oh. got signed for the Celtics. was supposed to have been better than Michael Jordan. And um, as soon as he got signed for the Celtics, went out and party, drug overdose and died. Wow. Yep. Didn't know about yep, that. They, they had such big raps on this guy, Len Bias. If you have a chance to look him up um, YouTube, he was an amazing player. And, uh, yeah, Boston Celtics missed out on a, a player that could possibly be better than Larry Bird. Amazing. I'm, yep. I'm definitely going to yep. look that. That's the stuff that rings my bells. I like that, Tom. Yep. All right. Thank have you very much. Cheers, mate. Len Bias. That'll be on my new YouTube search and then stream onto my telly tonight, I think. Len Bias. Uh, let's go to Roy. G'day, Roy. Afternoon, Staffy. How are you? Very well, sir. I'm very excited, very much enjoying today's topic. Um, scribble down three, uh, if that's all right, um, that I wouldn't mind mentioning. Uh, first one, Susie the Waitress. Oh, yes. I'm not sure if anyone's mentioned that one yet. Um, an off-field incident. Uh, I... I, it felt like one of those, well, it was obviously one of those ones that developed in the days and weeks after the sporting occasion, and then it was revealed how sick most of the team were on the day. Although, from memory, you could tell that some players were feeling unwell, you looked, looked pretty off-colour. Am I remembering that part right? You're remembering it very right, and I've actually had uh, one of the players that was in that team tell me uh, but none of them have ever said it publicly, but they've told me that they were definitely poisoned because the the five dirty dirties that were never going to be playing poisoned went... deliberately. They reckon deliberately, or just they would it generally was food poisoning mistake or otherwise. Well, very coincidental. I mean, the, the scandal, yeah, yeah. scandalous Kiwis in us suggest that it would be deliberate, but it did happen. And the the fifteen that played weren't the best fifteen. It was the least sick fifteen. Yeah, right. Yes, yes, mm. yes. 
Um, second one, and this guy was at the centre of a number of scandals, but the one I remember best uh, was because I was actually at the game. Um, I may have even said that to you on a previous call, talking about the greatest you know, events we'd ever been present at. It was Dennis Rodman. Um, amongst the many crazy things he did, he fell over at, you know, um, um, the baseline or the end of the court and sort of fell into the crowd and fell near a cameraman and was agitated in the moment and struck out and kicked the cameraman in the balls. Um, and the subsequent – and we were, we were at that game. It was against Minnesota in Minnesota. Um, we'd spent, you know, half an hour in the freezing cold snow scalping tickets. Don't tell anyone. Um, and, uh, I don't know, he got suspended for 20, 20 games or something like that. But that was, you know, that was my American sport moment. Jordan played that game as well. That was why we went. But the highlight – but Jordan was – Subbed off, you know, before the end of the fourth quarter, uh, before the end of the third quarter, and they won by 20 points anyway. Um, but yeah, Rodman, Rodman stole the show by kicking the cameraman in the groin and got banned for 20 weeks or something like that. <laughs> and then the last one, the last one that I, I, I guess one that stuck with me, and it's New Zealand, and it's, uh, it's a sport that I probably loved the most growing up, is cricket, and it was the dope smoking scandal in South Africa. Yes. Um, Fleming, Nash and Hart. Um, and for me, the, the takeaway, the lesson from the whole thing was, I don't know, sometimes, although, first of all, the, the idea that, that this that would be barely even a scandal these days. What, the last election, it nearly became legal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but it, was, it was shocking at the time, I remember that. And by all accounts, it was the probably the least worst thing that happened at that party uh, that they were at by some of the accounts. Do you remember um, who the whistleblower was? Uh, I, I understand it was a one uh, one fast bowler, yes. uh, but DK Morrison. That yes. has, that, that's what I understand. <laughs> that's what I understand as well. I, yes, yes. Um, but the idea that you know that seemed the worst, the lowest of the low, and these guys would never recover from this, and sure enough, out of that comes our next test captain. Yes, nice. Now, just before so, you go, I'm, I'm pleased that yeah. you. You rephrased balls to groin because quite often our content manager listens to this and I'm wrapped over the knuckles for allowing such profanities onto the show. So um, wh- my, nice, my apologies. Nicely adjusted. <laughs> You're welcome. Cheers, Roy. Good Sorry. call. Uh, let's go to Up Hut, talk to Gary. G'day, Gary. G'day, Steph. Hey, uh, first one that comes to mind when you come up with that subject, I was the same as you, as Lance Armstrong. He definitely was that first and foremost in my mind, so I won't touch too much on him. Um, you've already gone over that. But um, the next one that comes straight to my mind was that woman shot putter, Ostopchuk, or whatever her name was. Ostopchuk. ripped off Valerie. Yep. Ostopchuk. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah but, I mean, you know, the old steroid abuse, or whatever it was that she was taking, and ripping off Dame Valerie from getting that chance of standing up on the podium at the Olympics with the national anthem playing. Yeah, that that just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was horrible. and it also happened to so, Nick Willis as well, didn't he? He didn't he get bronze? He, got upgraded, eh? he went from bronze silver? to silver because the gold guy yeah. got done. Which that's not maybe quite as bad because they still wouldn't have been playing the New Zealand anthem. But for Val, she would have been standing on the top of that dais and New Zealand anthem playing and. I don't know about you, but that would be the proudest moment of my life. That's uh, me. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're not, you're yeah. Not, you're not stealing the medal off the competitor. You're stealing the moment, aren't you? Because you cannot, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. you cannot redress yeah. that. 
Good stuff. And on a slightly lighter one, yep. um, any time Steve Walsh refereed against Wellington Lions, <laughs> especially that match against Canterbury, where he played an extra 15 minutes to let Ben Blair score in the corner. Yeah, not that I'm holding on to that. Yeah, that's very Bill yeah. Adlamish, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, well done. And Elliot Dixon never did score that try. No, either. he did not. No, he did not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Top man, I'll let you go. Cheers, mate. Uh, Gary showing that we just hold on to things for life, don't we? I absolutely love that scandal. Good stuff. And um, someone's just said on the Len Bias, which someone rang up about, um, which I'd never heard of, there's a 30 for 30 doco, and it's called Without Bias. And apparently it is absolutely brilliant. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back. Don't forget to call. 0800-150-811, Sporting Scandal. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Yes, Kempi, it was. Uh, we go to Darren and Aussie. G'day, Darren. Great, Staffy. How are you? Good, buddy. I'll see if you can pick who I'm talking about, but I never knew this substance ever existed until I heard the word Meldonian or Meldonium. Mel- that, uh, oh. that does ring a bell. And, and I'm try. is it uh, Maria Sharapova? That's it. That's it. Because she, she had genetic disposition to have strokes or something is what she claimed, wasn't it? Oh, we all knew, we all knew it was rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other... The other one is, um, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard this from a few people, and being, I'm asthmatic. Apparently, everyone at the Tour de France is asthmatic. Yes, 100%. They, all of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Froome, definitely asthmatic. Chris Froome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because they say, that, you know, it opens up the airways and they take it anyway, and I'm like, well, that's not right. Yeah. You know, I only take it because I'm trying to breathe. Yeah. So, maybe, <laughs> maybe you should go on the Tour de France. You never know. It might be your secret calling. Uh, no, I'm, I'm more of a mountain biker. It's too boring riding on the road. There you go. So, and plus, cars, I don't trust them. No. I don't, I don't trust them when I'm in a car, let alone on a bike. <laughs> so, but um, I've got a real quick one for you, Staffy. First time that I ever came in, I was seven years old, and I had a, had a taste of sort of cheating in sport. Yeah. I was at the Johnsonville Cubs group. Yeah. And they got given us this little timber car that we had to sand, and it couldn't be, it had to be a certain weight. And my dad and I spent weeks on it, got it perfect, like within you know, grams of what it should be, and so proud of it. And everyone just cheated. We came dead last. Like everyone just, you know, made them lighter, heavier, just no, there were no rules at all. And I remember I was just devastated. <laughs> so that was that was my first taste. At and the since you've bloody Cups Club. since you've been seven, you've been honest as the day is long. Well, I try to. Yeah, good know. man. Good man. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. Derek. Yeah. Thanks for calling, man. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, Maria Sharapova. Fine cotton. He's come through. He's stopped driving. Clado, fill me in. Good afternoon, staff. Yeah, it was an absolute circus, a fine cotton scandal. And even though you think it was only a few years ago, I think it was around 1984, 1983. Yeah. So it's been a while since you tried anything like that. But it was a bit of a syndicate of guys. Hayden Haitana, the Kiwi, he was a trainer. They thought they'd um, pull off this betting sting because fine cotton, he was pretty ordinary sort of racehorse. So they got this other chestnut horse, fine cotton being a chestnut, they got another chestnut that could gallop. They said, right, we'll set this up. 
We'll take this horse to Eagle Farm in a few weeks and we'll have a betting plunge. And um, I think it was only about three or four days, two or three days, three or four days out from the race. Yep. The horse they had for the ring-in went sore. <laughs> so they, they couldn't start it. So they go, oh, instead of pulling pin, they go, oh, we'll grab another horse. So they grabbed a horse called Bold Personality. I don't know why I can never forget his name, but he was a big, dark bay horse. Yeah. Um, fine cotton being a bit red with white white socks. Um, so Bold Personality, they, they decide they'll go ahead with this horse. So they, they realised the night before, they go, oh, look, you know, it's got no white feet. We're going to have to paint. We're going to have to paint its feet. <laughs> so they, they were going to peroxide it. And they, they, this is how good they were. They forgot. So they get to the racetrack on the, on the Wednesday. I think it was a midweek meeting. They get to the meet at the racetrack and they realise, oh, we haven't, we haven't peroxided his feet. Get some paint. So they got some, some just basic household paint on it was, and they painted his, painted his like socks. Um, so of course the horse was a 33 to one chance. They had a hot favourite in the race. A favourite was starting in the red. So they've backed this horse. They've come out of trees to back this horse, as they say. So it's open up about 30 to 1. It's come into favourite. <laughs> so, I mean, this is you love to see these plunges, you know, any time of the day. But when it's happening right before your eyes, I mean, you want to you get a bit of this and see what's happening. So, anyway, the horse goes around favourite. And the horse was originally uh, favourite. I think he got out to about 5 to 1. So he was second favourite. Well, they turn for home, and these two are having a ding-dong go all the way down the straight, and Bold Personality gets up and wins. But by this time, even the bookies out of state are going, hey, what's going on here? 33 of the $4, like, you know, what's going on here? By fine cotton, like a not very good horse. So the alarm bell's already in action. So And, and you, you were quite right. When the horse came back to scale, because all the sweat and... Galloping is just done. The paint started to run. <laughs> and a couple of the pundits who probably missed out on the plunge because it's only a roar if you're not in it, they were standing in the bedding ring yelling out, <laughs> ringing, ringing. So, so it was doomed to failure. And, gee, there were death threats afterwards. I think one or two blokes went missing. But old Hayden, I think he survived. And real real strong racing family out of New Zealand. Pat Aitana, he was a really good jockey. So, uh. oh, what. What a what a shame! <laughs> and it went on and on. It was just, it was great theatre, but yeah, and it was a whole book. It was a full size book on the story, and I, I just couldn't put it down. It was just amazing. It was it was simple. It was too simple. It was fraught. Yeah, and I think I did read the book a while ago. And the memory ain't what it used to be, but all the other stuff that went along with it, like yeah, what I've just told you was bad enough. But all the other things going on as well. It was my God, it was just. Yeah, one of the well, one of the infamous racing stories. It sure is. Thank goodness for the racing integrity unit, Clado. Too right, too <laughs> right. Yeah, you wouldn't get away with it now. All the brands are checked, even around Australia. You need to go to Kilcoy, and they're all official TAB meetings, so it's, it's all pretty fastidious. And you wouldn't get away with it now. You'd be a brave man to even consider it. Yeah, you would. You would. Good stuff. Thanks for calling, Clado. That's all right, Steph. Great show. And you're right about Lance Armstrong. The fact that you you rode his journey with him to get back to where he got to and your heart went out to him and you're so proud of him and you're so wrapped in everything he did and then and then it just came crashing down and, and just the lies and yeah. just the way you went about it and 
blaming everybody else and who, oh, I don't know, the bloke just gives me like, Beeps. <laughs> so, Beep. I'll save. I'll save you. Yeah, good on you, mate. Oh, Clado, yeah. uh, the great man, and you can hear him every Saturday on the Good Oil. He does a fantastic job doing our racing bits and bobs of a Saturday and other times as well. We'll take a break now. We will take a break. Someone texted through and said that day of golf that I mentioned right at the top of the show, Bob Charles won on the US Senior Tour. Greg Turner won the Italian Open. Michael Long won the West Australian Open. And Grant Waite won the Greater Greensboro Open. Did he? All on a different day. But anyway, I'm going to double-check all that stuff. But, yeah, there was a there was a golden day of golf with 30 years to the day since New Zealand won the Eisenhower. Another fantastic day for golf in New Zealand. Uh, we'll have a break. We'll come back. Ripping text. I'll get to. I'm going to read them out after the news because there's so many good ones. I'll start on them now. Malice in the Palace. That was a sporting scandal. Absolutely. Um, let's get back up to the top. Uh, the one that got me was Chris Cairns Lou Vincent scandal. The, the, the cricket scandals were rife for a while, weren't they? Uh, another one for Malice in the Palace. Um, Staffy, this is a true story. A boxer named Antonio Margarito. I know what you're going to say. He was caught cheating because he had soaked his hand wraps in plaster and it was discovered after the fight. Yeah, a few boxers have been caught with when they wrap their hands and there's been some metal bits, not quite knuckle dusters, but um, yep, there's been that. Also some boxers with uh, liniment or peppermint oil on on their gloves and then punch the opposition in the eyes and they can't see. Um, San Francisco and the extra day the OJ Simpson saga that made us forever beholden to the Kardashians <laughs> and watching Jeff Wilson Goldie vomiting on the sideline in South Africa Kimberly, what's in the oven today Kimberly? what are you baking today Kimberly? love to know love to know uh, and how about the watering of the track before the Melbourne Cup for Maccabi Diva yes Jeff from Hamilton yes Jeff Oh, there's a heap. More after the news. Welcome to the afternoons, Captain K. Just banging my music taste. What is he at? Day 1.25 and he's got my music taste down pat. I think that's Boston. Is that Boston? I think that's Boston, more than a feeling. Tune. Uh, some great texts are coming on your scandals. Let's get through some. Uh, Jerry says, watch the 30, 30 for 30 on Len Bias. That's in my notebook to do. Then taking the, the one on the Hillsborough disaster. Seen that. Amazing. And then another one called The Two Escobars about Pablo, the Colombian football captain, Andreas. I've watched that one as well. Gripping viewing all three. Yep. So I've done two. Len Bias. That is on my 
That is on my radar. And I think the 30 for 30s are on YouTube as well now, not just on ESPN. Um, I series linked 30 for 30 on ESPN on my Skybox, and it filled up pretty quick because they have heaps. But good stuff. Uh, someone just texted in Wayne Barnes, exclamation marks. Is that you, Martin Devlin? <laughs> uh, Ryan Giggs and his brother's missus, traitor, you never walk alone. <laughs> that was scandalous. Uh, Wayne Carey as well did similar things. Um, arguably the greatest AFL player, AFL player ever um, did a similar thing. Uh, gutting for me way back was Ben Johnson and then more recently Lance Armstrong. That was dubbed the race of the century, wasn't it? Uh, ben, Arms- ben Johnson and Carl Lewis. And then Ben Johnson standing behind the blocks and then taking the crouch that the shoulders and the arms. I didn't even know what blood doping, EPO, steel. I didn't even know all that stuff was back then. I just looked at him and went, holy heck, he could be a Mr. Olympia. Um, ben Johnson. Uh, John Terry and Wayne... Can I say that? John Terry and Wayne Bridge sleeping with your best mate's wife. No good, but that's Chelsea for you. <laughs> Another one, uh, Ben Johnson, he had more roids than blood in his system. Another one from Alice in the Palace. People are loving that. The Panthers winning the premiership this weekend. Not sure how it was cheating exactly, but up para, so it had to be. (laughs) Uh, Melbourne Storm and their salary caps. Good shout. Cronulla and their doping scandal. Those weren't long ago. Both of those. Both of those. A cracker. Well, this one looks like a long one. Let's have a look. A cracker slash shocker from the NHL in 2004. Steve Moore from the Colorado Avalanche had hit Vancouver Canucks captain Marcus Nasland in the head with a body check. There was no penalty called. Five days later, they played again. Canucks forward Tom, sorry, Todd Batuzzi hunted Moore around the ice and eventually hit him with a punch from behind and knocked him out straight away and his head hit the ice. It ended Moore's professional career, and Batuzzi carried the stigma with him for the rest of his, of his career. It still partly fuels the Vancouver-Colorado rivalry to this day. Wow, that's 18 years ago. Good memory, Roy. Good memory. Batuzzi. I, had, I haven't heard that story before. I haven't heard that story before. You're a big ice hockey fan, Sam. Have you heard that story before? I actually, I I had sort of um, heard it, but just went and read it in the break. Um, fascinating, yeah. It was um, all the comments on the YouTube video. Um, I don't really think Roy, if he's a Canucks fan, and uh, Patuzzi have a leg to stand on because they basically sucker punches him from behind. He hits the ice hard. He's out cold when he hits the ice yeah. and is going at pace. Just slides along the ice for a good 10 or 20 metres. And all the players naturally congregate and jump on the guy who's hit him. So there's a big dog pile on the guy who's unconscious on the ice. Yeah. And, you know, it ended up that he broke like three vertebrae in his neck, um, never played hockey again. Um, Batuzzi went on and played another 10 seasons. Um, just, yeah, and lawsuits. And because people, as people rightly say, Steph, you do that outside of a hockey rink, you go to prison. Yeah. So the guy got criminally charged, um, didn't go to prison, but um, got heavily, they, a big million-dollar settlement, multi-million-dollar settlement. Just wow. 
Yeah, that's why they need fighting in the NHL, mate. Yes. Get rid of the cheap shots. Get rid of them. Uh, Kimberly's let us know what's happening in the kitchen. A huge day of bolognese sauce making. So much so, I had to make it in the wok. Tomorrow is oven day. Bread will be the order of the day. I'm just planning the Bathurst menu too. Oh, Kimberly's just magnificent. Magnificent. Um, someone's texting. I don't know if I've told this story before, but the Ryan Tandy incident and his attempt to give a penalty away against North Queensland Cowboys. The fix unravelled, uh, Mike. So the story goes, I was actually I was actually quite involved in that story at the time. And if I've told it and you've heard it before, apologies, I'll make it a little bit shorter than normal. Um, I was working at the TAB. We got a bet for $5,000. Now, um, yes, I got a bet, or a bet came through for $5,000 on the first scoring play in that game, and our Tandy played for the Bulldogs from memory. They were taking on the Cowboys, and the bet came through for the first scoring play being a Queensland, North Queensland Cowboys penalty. Now, very, very rare is the first scoring play in a regular season game a penalty. And I think it was priced $10, first scoring play. $5,000 to win 50. And I thought, they've made a mistake. They probably want five. Maybe they want 50. So I accepted $50, not 5,000. I accepted $50. And you just type in 50. I'll take 50. And the bet cancelled. You can see that it cancelled. They, Whoever was buying it, and I know exactly the TV it was put in, and they cancelled it because I saw it came up cancelled. And then the 5,000 came on again. I gave it 50, and it cancelled. Then the 5,000 came on again. So I, while the bet was waiting to be accepted on my screen, I rang the TAB and I said, is there someone trying to put $5,000 on? He goes, I'll just double. He said, I'll just ask her. And that rang alarm bells, not sexist or anything, but it was just unusual that a woman would be putting $5,000 bet on a first scoring play, being North Queensland Cowboys penalty. And uh, he said, I'll just ask her. And he heard muffled voices. Yep, that's what she wants. And I said, she can't have it. She can have 50. And because I just smelled a rat straight away. So I jumped on the phone to a mate of mine that worked for a bookmaker in Australia. And I said, are you seeing any action on first scoring play penalty North Queensland Cowboys? And he goes, yeah, just now. Just now. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. And the game was that night. Um, And uh, I said, so am I. And he said, let me make some calls. He made a couple more calls to a couple of other bookmakers in Australia. All the same thing. At bang on, three o'clock New Zealand, one o'clock Australia. Everyone got hit at the same time. So we took the option. I took the option offline. You couldn't bet on it. And we had a few customer complaints saying, I want to bet on first scoring play. Where is it? And I said, oh, technical issues. Um, Technical issues. Uh, It won't be available. And then we watched. And we sort of worked out between New Zealand and Australia that there was about $500 had gone on it. So just to win five grand total. And uh, so I sat down and watched the game. And bugger me. Ryan Tandy, right in front of the goalposts, made a tackle on a North Queensland Cowboy and just lay on him, lay on him, lay on him, lay on him, penalty. And I went, oh, you idiot. Idiot because they must have known we were onto them because we stopped taking bets and we took the option down. So they must have known that we were smelling rats. And um, Jonathan Thurston came up and we thought, oh, God. So he's going to do it. Uh, But there was a huge overlap out to the left. Thurston tapped it, passed it out wide, and they scored a try. So not only did we know that there was a fix-in, but we also knew it didn't come off. 
<laughs> and we also knew that North Queensland weren't in on it as well because they scored the try. So their bet lost. We knew what they were doing. And then about an hour after the game, I got a phone call from the New South Wales police asking me my information. And then they flew over to New Zealand, had a meeting with the New South Wales police. Long story short, they were caught and they'd set it up that 3 o'clock New Zealand time, 1 o'clock Australia time, they had all of these people, this big network, going in and putting $5,000 on each, like spreading the risk. But we... We at the TAB, we would have held five hundred dollars on that type of betting option for a rugby league game, and here's one five thousand dollar bet. So, and it turned out that the person that was putting the bet on in Auckland was the sister of Ryan Tandy's flatmate. That's how it, that's how it came to pass. And I looked at the, the you know all the TABs and pub tabs. They've all got cameras in them, and the the woman was sort of mid twenties with a baby in a pushchair. <laughs> putting $5,000 on first scoring play. That's scandalous. And like, I, you probably were suspicious too that you'd put money on a pit. Like, they don't, no one takes two points. That's what I was saying. In a game. Yeah, yeah, I saw you talking when I started it. Yeah, yeah. They, they just don't take a, a, a um, nah, penalty nah. early on so, in the game. But, but why would, if Tandy knew, like was in on it and had set it all up, why would he do it not guaranteed that they're going to take the point, the two points? You know what I mean? Like... Well, you just raised the percentage chance. What they forgot to do was <clears throat> fan their defence because I think they were going to take it, but Thurston looked out left. There was no one defending out left, and he just hoofed a huge pass out left, and they scored. I'm going to go watch it. Go watch it. Go watch it. See if you can find it. And the unfortunate thing is he was arrested. He was convicted. He went to jail, got out of jail, and not long after died of a drug overdose. He just couldn't get over he got into the wrong crowd and it was awful. And, and it was his agent that masterminded it or his manager or something like that who was the brother of another player. Yeah, it was a horrible story. It was it was crazy story to go through. Anyway, quarter past one. Let's take a break. After this, we are going to go across Tashman to Bruce Young. We talked to him about golf. He knows everything that's going on and he particularly likes telling us about Australasian golfers. But let's zone in on the Kiwis. Uh Purple patch of form at the moment, and it's the 30-year anniversary of winning the Eisner. It must be something to do with biorhythms or star alignment or Jupiter being close to the planet, to Earth, or something that makes New Zealand golf good. Bruce Young, golf commentator, after the break. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, look, do feel free to keep texting in your sporting scandals. I've got some absolute rippers, which I will get to. There's been some buttes. Uh, that's double eight double three, the Tampa Bear Post text machine. But we're talking golf now on the 30th anniversary of New Zealand winning the Eisenhower with Phil Tatarangi, Stephen Scarhill, Grant Moorhead and Michael Campbell, top of the world. Um, and we're sort of circling through 30 years later with some fine Kiwi golfers plying their trade around the globe. Joining us now, a fine broadcaster, uh, analyst, former caddy, Bruce Young out of Australia. G'day, Bruce. Staff, uh, nice to talk to you. Yes, you too. Um, geez, what a weekend. Uh, and in fact, you know, th- that weekend typified by the Grant, uh, Grant Fox, the Ryan Fox win <laughs> at the um, Alfred Dunhall at uh, the old course at St Andrews. I mean, what better course to do it on? Um, streaky, but amazing. 
Look, uh, yeah, it's been an amazing couple of weeks for New Zealand, really, because of Daniel Hillier won a week ago in, on the Challenge Tour, and then Steve Elker finished second that same week. Another runner-up finish for Steve Elker on the champ, PGA Tour Champions. And then this week, all three New Zealanders who were in contention through various stages of the tournament, i.e. Ryan Fox, uh, Daniel Hillier and Lydia Coe, all potentially could have won their tournaments. But um, that Ryan Fox was able to get across the line and pick up such a significant win and move from, I think he was just inside the top 50, he's now 25th in the world, which is a huge achievement when you consider that he started the year outside the top 200. It's been a phenomenal year for him. He's moved to third in the uh, rankings on the DP World Tour. Uh, he's obviously 25 is his highest ever world ranking. Um, and that's his second win of the season. I think he picked up about 800,000 euros, about 1.3 or 1.4 million New Zealand dollars. And he's picked up close just over four million New Zealand dollars this season on the on the uh, European Tour with uh, two wins and I think three seconds now in a third place. So it's been a phenomenal year and in many ways it was a uh, he'd lost his way a little bit, hadn't he? Because he missed mm. three or four of his last five cuts and and withdrew from that BMW PGA Championship. So this was a nice bounce back for him and sets him up really um, uh, for well probably for the for his, the rest of his golfing future in so many respects. But uh, yeah, look, he, he's shown a liking staff, hasn't he, to play well on link style golf courses. When you look over the last few years on some of his performances at the Irish Open and the Scottish Open. Um, there's something about Lynx Golf and Ryan Ryan Fox. Maybe it's the wood that those golf courses provide. When you look at his stats, he's obviously one of the longest hitters on the European Tour, but he's certainly not the most accurate. I think he's, um, you know, well down the list as far as accuracy. But he's really brought a lot of consistency to his game this year. I was just looking at his scoring average. He's in about the top two or three in the scoring average on the European Tour. Um, and uh, obviously his length and his putting is a, um, is a huge advantage, and his putting's improved this year as well. So, yeah, a great week for Ryan Fox, and um, what a character he is. What do you make of him as a golfer? Because as you know, it's so much a mental game, and it looks like that hurdles, um, he's sort of made great strides for the mental hurdle. He's relaxed, he's a dad. Um, COVID's finished. I know COVID played havoc with him, not being able to get in and out of the country and having to leave his family behind. But as a complete package, what do you make of Ryan Fox, the golfing exponent? I think uh, you make a good point about the fact that he's in a, he appears to me to be, and I, don't, I mean, I know Ryan, but I don't know him well, but he appears to me in a, be in a very happy place right now. He's got a child, as you said, he seems happy in every other respect off the golf course, and all that can always impact on the golf course as well. But I just think it's a natural progression in many ways. He's been on the European Tour since I think 2017. He he got there via the Challenge Tour in 2016, and he's just been slowly but surely building, hasn't he? Building an experience, perhaps confidence as well. He's always you know, he's never appeared to be a guy that's lacked confidence. But I think uh, it's only natural that you would um, build confidence as you started to put some good performances together uh, against some of the best players in the world. And um, I just uh, think that amazing power that he has is a huge asset to it. I remember doing on-course commentary at the last New Zealand Open back at uh, Millbrook back in 2020, it was. And there were a couple of shots he hit that one um, on the second day, I think it was. That you go, I look, went over and looked at the lie, and I think on the tenth hole there he had about 190 metres to the to the flag. I could not see any way that he could get a pitching wedge over the 
over the trees and, ca- and carry it that distance, but he did. And that's just that's just a typical example of of the great asset that power that he has um, is for him. But there are other parts of his game, as I mentioned, his consistency. You know, those two wins for three seconds and a third this year, uh, and his putting improvement from I, I I think his putting I was looking at the stats before from 72nd to 13th mm. on the European Tour this season, which is a big improvement. So there's all those departments of his game are now starting to come together. And that, along with that confidence, I think, is just giving him this amazing ride that he's on at the moment. You touched on the recent success of Daniel Hillier, and I've heard a couple of people saying, oh, but it's just the challenge to it. But the challenge to it is where um, Tommy Fleetwood came through, uh, the challenge to it, who's one of the very best on the year. You've got to start somewhere. And the standard isn't that far below the top, the top tour, is it? Well, I think it's important that this is where people learn their craft. It's, and as I mentioned before, Ryan Fox progressed to the European Tour via the Challenge Tour back in 2016. So Daniel Hillier has always been a huge emerging talent. We've only got to look at his record as an amateur. I think a couple of New Zealand amateur titles, an Australian junior title, and a couple of probably a couple of New Zealand junior titles as well. He's always looked to me... Um, as a as a really exciting prospect, and uh, he went on the Challenge Tour last year, wasn't able to get to the European Tour uh, this year as a result, despite winning last year on the Challenge Tour. But this year he's now won again, and he's moved to seventh now in the rankings on the Challenge Tour, and he has to be inside the top 20 by the end of the season, which is now only three events away. And that essentially means that he's guaranteed to graduate to the European Tour next season by being inside the top 20. So, you know, we're going to have another very, very talented New Zealander playing on the European Tour next season. And uh, it can only be, well, it's great for New Zealand golf, isn't it? Because so many of them are performing well at the moment. And you just get the feeling with Daniel Hillier that he is really an exciting prospect for New Zealand golf in the years ahead. He's still only uh, 24, I think, round about there. So uh, he was a very good amateur, as I said. Not only did he do very well on those New Zealand amateurs and junior championships, but he also played pretty well at the Eisenhower. Talking, You mentioned the Eisenhower earlier. He played pretty well at the Eisenhower. I think it was in Ireland two or three years ago where he finished third or fourth. So he he arrived in professional golf with a very strong amateur background, the, um, the young man from Wellington. And I think um, I, I'm, I'm really excited about the possibilities that Daniel Hillier provides as far as New Zealand golf is concerned. Talking to Bruce Young, golf commentator and writer out of Australia. I remember a chat I had to Steve Williams probably three or four years ago. And I just said when he was on the tour, he must have been so proud for, you know, New Zealand golf was doing well on the on the stage. And he shut me down and he said, there should be more. There's no reason why there, there shouldn't be more New Zealand golfers on the world stage. Like it's very cheap. It's very accessible in New Zealand. And he said, look at Australia. They have... There are Aussie golfers littered through every tour at the top end of those tours. Whereas we've cherry-picked, you know, we've had Michael Campbell, we've had Greg Turner, we've had Frank Nobolo, but he felt we should have a dozen split between the PGA Tour and the European Tour. What what do you make of New Zealand representation in the professional game? Yeah, it's a reasonable argument that Steve makes. Uh, You know, I guess the the numbers, Australia, five or six times the population here in Australia that there is in in New Zealand, that's got to be some sort of a factor. The 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 weather here in Australia typically provides a lot um, uh, more opportunity to play. You know, throughout the year here in Australia, the golf courses here 
with some exceptions in New Zealand, but the golf courses here generally are, are, are a slightly higher quality as well. Um, and uh, But uh, I don't know. I, you know, when you consider that um, uh, Lydia Coe's done so amazingly well, mm. uh, Ryan Fox is now getting in towards the elite of the game. We've had Danny Lee. I know Danny Lee's been a disappointment in some respects, but he's retained his playing privileges on the PGA Tour. You know, we've had other winners on the, you know, Phil Tatarangi went on the on the PGA Tour and, and Greg Turner and Frank Nobolo won on the PGA Tour and, and, and Europe and Greg Turner won in a few different places as well. I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say we're, um, batting above our average, but I think um, overall, I think New Zealand golfers are doing pretty well. But Steve makes a good point in as much as access to the game in New Zealand is typically very reasonable cost-wise. You know, most golf courses in New Zealand uh, are very reasonable in terms of membership fees and uh, um, public access golf courses. So most young kids can have an opportunity to play golf and, and get a start in the game, and if they so choose, carry on with it. So there's some argument there, but I think uh, overall, especially right now, I think we're doing pretty darn well. Mm. Brilliant, Bruce. Uh, always good to chat to you. Thanks for taking time for us today. Okay. Cheers, Steph. Bye. Cheers, Bruce Young. Wonderful commentator, writer, reporter, the whole shebang. And lucky enough to meet him at the New Zealand Open a few years ago. And, geez, he knows his golf. Um, so if he says we're going good, we're going good. And what a weekend it was It was for us. Uh, New Sport and Weather now. Here's Karen. <laughs> Brendan Popperwell joins us. Pops, good morning. Uh, I'm sorry, good afternoon. Good afternoon, and it is hot, hot sun here in the Tron at the moment as well. So, uh, yeah, feeling that spring feeling at the moment, Steffi. Oh, picnic at the Hamilton Gardens, is it? Wow, gee, I tell you what, that wouldn't be the worst thing to be doing on a Tuesday afternoon, uh, Mark <laughs> Stafford. If it wasn't for Monday night football, uh, I would be certainly lining up that option. Um, geez, I haven't even been following that. Uh, Phil from Hastings, turn your radio down. What is happening with Monday night football on a Tuesday afternoon? Well, it's um, the Rams' early doors. What was it? Uh, 3-0 um, at this stage. But, I mean, this is a game that it was looking like it was all going to be about uh, terrible weather and, and a running game from, from either side. And that's what we saw in terms of our betting. Now, the Rams, who were the outsiders in this game, took all the money. Uh, they, they took 75% of that book in the head-to-head market leading into this one. So they are leading currently 3-0 at the moment. Uh, but we saw a lot of uh, player props getting back, like uh, the rushing yards uh, for, for Cam Akers, for Jeffrey Wilson, those sort of bet types. So, um, yeah, a little, little bit happening on that game. Biggest bet was on the Rams of uh, $1,700. We had taken some bets on the MPC uh, finals, though, Staff. We've already had some interest uh, in the MPC. And and, and the main talking points around Canterbury, uh, $3,500 on Canterbury to win it outright uh, at $2. Oh, that's confident. That's confidence. Mm -hmm. I don't mind that. Um, I wanted to ask you about Bathurst. It's it's my one appointment, my one guaranteed appointment uh, for motorsport across the calendar. And um, 
Greg Murphy is making the long-awaited return. I think he was supposed to go back last year, but it was postponed or delayed because of COVID. Um, so he's climbing into the car with a guy who's got, if he was a horse, you'd say he's got wet weather form. So if it rains, Richie Stanaway's really, really good in the rain. But Murph, any money? I bet you there's money coming on Murph. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, Steph. Um, I, I'm pretty sure you knew the answer to that before uh, yeah. even mentioning the question. So, um, yeah, look, we, we, we've had good steady stream of money actually around that, that $26 price uh, and outright winner with, with Stanaway. What we have seen overall, though, uh, is everyone wants to get on the SVG uh, train. So $4 with, with Tander at the moment is our best uh, price we can see in terms of betting and, and volumes. But also there's a boosted chance here. Now, if you wanted to take the boosted price, it is available at $5. So, as I said, putters have taken the $4. There's a chance here of getting a little bit of an edge, if you think that's the way to go, by taking the $5 on the boosted price uh, in the Bathurst winner. So maybe that's something you can look into. And there's a lot of power plays, and there'll be a lot more coming up as we get closer to as well to Bathurst. Just clicked onto the uh, power plays. <laughs> Uh, I'm, the only thing I don't like about power plays is I didn't think of them when I was at the TAB. <laughs> <laughs> they are awesome. Is that the only thing? Is that the only thing, Steph? You wish that you could you could go back in time and do? Uh, look, we can take that offline, Brendan. <laughs> I wish I hadn't have sold all that money on France to win by exactly twelve in that much very famous quarter final. Oh dear, oh dear. Um, all right, and uh, Rugby League World Cup. Um, I think this, you're talking boosted. I think this is one of the best boosted. Is it still there, actually? Is it still there? Around the Kiwis? Yeah. Yes, boosted at 550 um, is is the boosted price uh, for the Kiwis to win that. So 433 boosted to 550. Um, so you've seen a heck of a lot of it. Yeah, yesterday, yeah. yesterday it was six, and I was rid- six, the, yeah. and so you've had a landslide, and, and so you should have. Uh, that was uh, that was a fantastic price, but still five fifty is great as well, given that the real price yeah. is four thirty three. Oh yeah, hey, look, I'll tell you what, the, the worst result Samoa Samoa was twenty six dollars. Now, uh, at one stage, this was when we didn't have the release of all their stars playing but there was still some, some inklings of what we were, were seeing there, and $26 was taken, and then Suali uh, joins, uh, joins in, and then you've got a, a, you know, a Penrith Panthers-looking Samoa side. Uh, they're $10, the third favourites now to win the World Cup. This could be the best Rugby League World Cup we have ever seen. When you look across these teams that are involved uh, in England, Australia, England, uh, Tonga, New Zealand. I, I think this could be the best World Cup we've ever seen. Yeah, I do too. I'm bang on with you there, Pops. Thanks, buddy. All right. Cheers, Steffi. Cheers, mate. Yeah, the Rugby League World Cup, I, I cannot wait for it. Cannot wait for it. It's on Spark Sport, and it's good viewing time as well. I think I read out the times yesterday, just trying to remember, seven? There were two times we went there. I'll go and look those up again, but I thought it was going to be like middle of the night stuff, but it's not. It's it's early morning stuff. So, um, and the fact that every game's watched, well, I want to watch Fiji play. I want to see Lebanon play, Tonga. And then, of course, you've got New Zealand, Australia, England. Um, so I'll be streaming off my Sparksport app, off my phone, onto my, I'm tempted to get a bigger TV as well, because I've just got the old 44 or something like that. 
44 um, because that is going to be one heck one heck of a tournament, uh, which I can't wait for. Lots of text messages still on your sporting scandals. Um, here's a good one from JD. Staffy, we talked about the fine cotton where they switched horses. Staffy, interesting story circa fine cotton saga. Living in Sydney at the time and working in catering. On the day of the race, we catered a wedding reception for one of the biggest Australian bookmakers of the time. From the moment we arrived to set up at their home, you could tell something big was going down. Just the demeanour and the people scurrying into rooms and taking phone calls. Do, 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 do. I wonder if that was one of the waterhouses. That was big. Well, there was Bill. Uh, lots of bookmakers back then. Um, I lived in Sydney in the early 2000s. St George were involved in match fixing. There were some really weird results. And it peed me off that I didn't know. And I had a big bet on one of their games and they were winning easily and then basically gave the game away. Tanking, that is called. What about the fake blood bin to allow Nick Evans back on the field to kick the winning penalty? I remember that. He put the blood capsule in his mouth and bit it and then had to be taken off blood bin. Nick Evans came on and kicked the winner. He actually admitted it later, actually. Uh, Mark, his biggest scandal was the Crusaders stockpiling talent. I always remember that year that they had they had like four or five first fives. Did they have Dan Carter, Colin Slade, Tyler Blindell, Stephen Brett, um, Tom Taylor. They had they just had every first five in the country. Staffy, the stuffed, stuffed toy. Simon Pullman. New Zealand decathlete. I think he went to jail for importing ecstasy or something in a in a stuffed toy. Wayne Carey, the North Melbourne legend, sleeping with his best Team mates, his best mates from his team's wife. That was a big note. The, the amazing thing was, it was at another teammate's barbecue party, and they scurried off down to some room. Crazy. Crusaders with their smoke machine for the final against the Hurricanes. That's scandalous. <laughs> uh, scandalous. Um, there's more. I'll keep. I'll keep drip feeding them to you through the day. There's some absolute beauty. So if you've got a sporting scandal that you, you absolutely remember, 8833 is the Temper Bed Post text machine. You're on Afternoons with Staffy in association with Gull. They fuel your mission all year round. Go to gull.nz for your local supply. Get yourself some good, cheap, economical car juice from Gull. Back in a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just, just been handed an urgent... And horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? <clears throat> Sammy B. What is? Does anyone actually watch those midday soap movies? Does anyone watch those? Like, really? <laughs> Genuinely. If you're at home and you want to watch something, you're watching your Netflix or something, aren't you? You're not watching your daytime soap movie, A Midsummer Hawaiian's Dream. A Midsummer Hawaiian's Dream is on over my left shoulder at the moment. Uh, I think Breakfast, uh, the breakfast show, put the TV3 on for the news and and stuff like that just to keep up to date, but it just sort of stays on during the day. I think the movies like that one is like if if you buy... From the production house, the latest Matrix movie. They say, mm. oh, we'll give you these ones as well. That'll be for your lunchtime stuff. Okay. <laughs> but still, who bloody watches them? That's, you know, 
That's the big question. Um, <coughs> now, uh, great talking to uh, Bruce Young and uh, about golf and Ryan Fox. Did you see uh, Patrick Harrington's tweet? Yes, I did. For those people out there, I'll just read out the tweet verbatim for you if I can. Uh, Patrick Harrington, after the um, the Dunhole Championship, tweeted this out. Always a joy playing the Dunhole links. Didn't quite have my day today. Shot 70 for tied 17th. Well done to the winner, Graham Fox. At DP World Tour next week, it's at Ferry K and Friends at Champions Tour. And I just want to know if Graham Fox is a Kiwi or if he somebody. Now, obviously, you know where this has gone, Steph. Everyone started to comment on it and share it and tag. There is a, a tag on Twitter, Graham Fox Golfer. I see it. Of a guy who's like sort of semi-pro in, you know, <laughs> Florida. And he's getting all these tags being like, congrats, Graham, congrats. <laughs> But here's the thing that annoyed me is, like, I get, you know, Patrick, I'm not very sure if, um, how many followers he has, probably a lot, but why wouldn't you just delete it and restart, even if it's been X amount of hours, just delete it. And start. Instead, he just posts underneath it saying, sorry, congrats, at Ryan Fox. Yeah, delete it and go again. Like, Ryan might ne- not even have seen it if you didn't say oh, sorry and tag it. Well, maybe, I but, bet just, you but if you just deleted it. Everyone's going to go up to him and say, g'day, Graham. Oh. That's going to be his nickname on tour. He's so, going to be crazy. So it's going to be a... Um, an interesting conversation what Ryan Fox hates more being referred to as Grant Fox's son or being referred to as Graham <laughs> by a former major winner or just G Fox yeah. that, that's confusing um, to the UK we go uh, and, and wa- uh, we're a man who's uh, remained, uh, remained anonymous and you'll understand why um, went for a casual stroll along his local beach um, Tanya how would you pronounce this? T A N hyphen Y hyphen. Hang on, on. T A N hyphen Y hyphen B W L C H. W L C H. T A N or M? T A N for Nigel. Okay. That is uh, Tanya. Very accurate. Mm. So this person was walking along Tanya. <laughs> um, that's near Absinthe. In West Wales, when he came across uh, some black rubbish bags or pa- plastic bags, all tied up yep. and all sort of linked together and on flotation devices, and he knew straight away because written on the side of them was Dior, like the fashion label. Christian Dior. And he knew straight away that um, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, or sorry, months ago, um, the same sort of setup was washed up on a beach in uh, the Gulf of Mexico, and it turned out to be cocaine. So this particular walker sort of assumed he knew what he was seeing, rang the police and said, "Um, I think you should come and have a look at this. Anyway, it turns out it was 90 million euros worth of cocaine, pure cocaine, that had washed up on this Welsh beach, and this man just happened to discover it. Now, I've got questions. First and foremost, what are your suspicion levels like for maybe it was 100 million, but... Of cocaine. Yeah, but maybe old mate just says, look at all this I've found, 90 million's worth. You might have just buried a bit off to the side. Yeah, there's yeah, 11 you know. bags there. Yeah. There's 11 bags. Exactly. I found it, but he's got one. Exactly. See, if, I, if I had a million dollars worth of cocaine, I wouldn't know what to do with it. No, you wouldn't, but, you know, you'd, you'd be able to find out. Um, the other question is, I do. I just do find it suspicious that his first thought when he saw Dior was, oh, yeah, that was a cocaine wash-up in Mexico six months ago. Mm. You know, I think... Um, he might have heard it on What's Making News. I think old mate here might be one of the gangsters who screwed up the order. Ah. You know? 
it was supposed to wash up on a beach in London or, you know, in the UK. You can't wash up a beach in London, but, you know, it's supposed to wash up somewhere else, but it's washed up on this beach in Wales and he's covering his tracks by just turning it into police. That's my theory. Nice. I, I don't and mind you know that I love theory. it. You know a theory. And finally, um, a vintage tractor in the United States is sold for $420,000. A vintage tractor, a tractor that was built in 1917 and supposedly revolutionised tractors back then. But the question I've got, Steph, is who pays half... I don't even know who pays that sort of money for, like, memorabilia. I can understand maybe sports memorabilia, but, you know, we talked about having, like, Darth Vader's gloves last week. Someone bought Darth Vader's gloves from the movie set. But a tractor? 400k on a tractor you can't use. It's an It's investment. ornamental. Is it an investment? It's like art. Is it? Mm. I don't get it. I absolutely don't get it. Okay. Do you save, want a fact? No, save your fact. Come back. No, it's a quick fact. Okay. But I'll save it. <laughs> ah, saving a fact. Sam, what's the fact of the day? I, I hope I haven't said this one before. <laughs> I don't think I have. Okay. It's a little bit of a philosophical sort of oh, fact for you, Steph. Um, no one here, and when I say here, I mean in the studio, listening, wherever you are around the country <laughs> and around the world, has ever and will never see your own face in person. You only ever see it in reflections and photos. Yeah. You will never see your face in person. And photos and mirrors do it back to front. Yep. And all sorts. Yeah. And uh, yes, I do know there's no beach in London. As that, as that, the words came out of my mouth, I tried to grab them and throw them back and I couldn't do it. Yep. Um, scandals. There's a heap of them coming in. Graham May. 1974 Commonwealth Games gold medalist on the back of pretty much no weightlifting experience. I think from memory he was 21 um, and then retired. And I think he became a church minister or switched to Christianity and then admitted he'd taken performance enhancing drugs in the lead up to Commonwealth Games. Offered to give his gold medal back and they said no need because performance enhancing drugs weren't illegal back then. Robin Tate was another one I think. I'm not 100% sure, but I think back in the day, let's find the news. going to talk some EPL very, very shortly. Um, we're going to talk with one of our great people from Talk Sport, Adam Bridge. Uh, just quickly, more scandals. Otago Canterbury, 1994, Ranfurly Shield, Hand of God, Richard Pokai Low, grabbed Dave Ladder back into the ruck. South Canterbury ref, Hawkeye, last minute. Oh, can't, can't understand the, the last bit of that text, but yes, people will remember that one. Uh, Hansi Cronier, third test innings, forfeit to allow England to win in 2000. Many years ago, a friend of ours was playing first five for an NPC team. Told us to get on the drop goal, first scoring play. He took two attempts and missed both, and we all lost our $5 bets. I know exactly who you're talking about. I know exactly the game and who you're talking about. Because I asked him the following week if that's what he'd done. 
There you go. Um, Steph, have you seen the Aaron Hernandez story on Netflix? Yes, I have. The guy was another. That was an amazing story. That that truly was amazing. Steffi, I always remember Grant Moorhead getting hit in the eye when he went for the high five when they won the Eisenhower 30 years ago. Yes, good memory, Carl. Very good. Steffi, another scandal. 1987 when Dennis Connor raced the catamaran against Michael Faze Monahal to take back the America's Cup. Caused a bit of a stir back in the day. Pretty sure he was one of the most hated men in New Zealand at the time. Cookie. He was. And then I met him. When Stars and Stripes last came to New Zealand, quite some years ago, and I met him, went on his boat, not not the racing boat, but his boat that was docked that doubled as their sort of headquarters, sat down, had a cup of tea, and a scone with Dennis Connor, just me and him. And all I did was go on into their merch shop to buy Dad a Stars and Stripes cap. And I said, is there a chance that Dennis could sign this? And they said, I'll go and ask him. Went and asked him, and he said, come on down. So I went down. Caught up with Dennis Connor, quite a nice chap. I think he made his money in supermarkets, Dennis Connor. Um, staff, what about Shane Dye's ride on Viander Cross going so wide in the Caulfield Cup he almost ended up in Flemington? <laughs> Viander Cross and Bone Crusher, my two favourite horses back then. Um, and last one for now, Staffy, uh, the reason the Crusaders have so many talented first fives over the years is because we breed them here. Just look at what we have coming through the Canterbury squad. Cheers, Mikey G. Could only be from you. But let's go and have a chat. Uh, do some EPL chat. Of course, uh, how many games in are we? About seven or eight, I think. And um, I don't know too much about the EPL. So we're going to go across to the UK. Our talk sport correspondent is Adam Bridge. And he joins us now. How are you doing, Adam? How are you doing? All right. Very well, very well. It's always hard when we when we get a correspondent from the Northern Hemisphere because there's so many teams and we never have time to talk about them all. So I let me guide you and then you guide me back. Arsenal, Arsenal, seven from eight. Massive title contenders now. You'd have to think after a, a 3-1 win over Tottenham and it must have been quite sweet, a, a bit of payback for Tottenham's 3-0 win over them last year, um, denying Arsenal Champions League. Uh, they're rolling, Arsenal. Yeah, it was it was a top quality performance overall, wasn't it? I mean, it's been a terrific start. I think did everyone expect this from Arsenal? I don't think so. I mean, you could argue, you know, the one the one kind of big team they came up against Manchester United prior to Spurs, they came up a little bit short. Um, the North London derby is always obviously an exceptional encounter, and I mean they bossed it from minute one, didn't they? Um, Antonio Conte, I think everyone thought. He may have Arteta's number, the more experienced coach, the, the greater knowledge. And, and actually, to be fair, some of the form that Tottenham had been in, but actually it was Arsenal's game. And it's early days to say whether they're the real deal or not. But, you know, seven from eight, as you say, I mean, it's the perfect start. And, and it's not just the start. I think it's, it's what we're seeing from Gabriel Jesus, which I think we all thought would happen. But the link up with the likes of Martinelli and, and the rebirth, of Granite Xhaka is just quite extraordinary. He He's a guy who was wanted out of the club. The fans didn't want him. Nobody wanted him there. He wanted to walk away because of the way he was treated. And now he's walking around as like, like he's God. They absolutely <laughs> adore him because Arteta has just got the very best out of him. Yeah, they're just, they're just flying. And just one point behind them is Man City, and I guess that's no surprise they're towards the lofty heights, but we need to talk about Erling Haaland, uh, 22 years old, <laughs> debut season, 22 years old, 
14 goals in eight matches. This is an unearthing of monumental proportions. Well, I, I was privileged enough um, to be at the game against Crystal Palace when he got his first hat-trick of those those three home hat-tricks in a row in, in the Premier League. And I got to interview him afterwards. And, I mean, what an extraordinary individual. Not only colossal in his absolute size as he stood next to you, <laughs> but I reeled off a few stats to him. And, and his response was, yeah, my stats are good, aren't they? And he said, but I think assists, assists should count as well because... You know, don't just talk about my goals, talk about my assists. And I think what we saw uh, against Manchester United was we saw all sides of him. I think we also saw how he's becoming a better player under Pep Guardiola in some of his movement, his link-up play, and obviously the finishing is something we've known about for a long time. But, I mean, this guy is going to break every Premier League record in existence. I think there is absolutely no doubt about it. If you consider the first one, he's really kind of, one of the hefty ones he's broken. Uh, it took Michael Owen 48 games to record three Premier League hat-tricks. Erling Haaland's done it in eight. I mean, that says it all. Is it the perfect match, too, this this bright prospect who sounds like he's got his head screwing on from just what you've been saying the last couple of minutes with Pep Guardiola, a, a magnificent guider of talent? It, it is. And I think, uh, interestingly, after that Palace game, when I, when I spoke to, to Pep as well, one of the things he said about Erling, because I said, look, you know, I saw you when he came off. You, you know, the excitement. You, you applauded him off the field. In that game <laughs> against Palace, which obviously they were 2-0 down in, Guardiola applauded him off the field and gave him the biggest hug. And I said, what is it about him? He said, his family. He is grounded. You know, he's had the right upbringing. And he said this yesterday. He said, players like him, you know, you find that it, it's about how they've been brought up and their desire and their hunger comes from their family he said and that's the key to his success brilliant we need to talk about Liverpool they are struggling I think it's fair to say oh. S- sitting in ninth uh, all, I know it's early days but 11 points adrift at the moment and the big thing for me was um, you know in, in recent history not many teams put three goals past Liverpool but Brighton's uh, Leandro Trossard he did it himself yeah, he did. And I mean, and let's be honest, they were two down early. They could have been three or four down before they before they got on the score sheet. Uh, and this has been the story of, of Liverpool's season so far. They're, they are starting games slowly. You know, they went behind early against Napoli and couldn't come back from it. They went behind against Ajax. Uh, they did manage to come back in that game against Newcastle. They went behind early. It is the story of that season so far. They are starting games in a sloppy manner. But not only that, I mean, you've got key individuals who aren't performing. Virgil van Dijk, you know, two seasons ago, everyone said he's the greatest defender ever to walk the earth. I don't hear that from anyone now. I don't think I ever believed it, if I'm honest. But but you see the kind of mistakes he's making and the way he's leaving his team exposed. Most Salah is just nowhere near the most Salah that we know. I mean, how much are they missing Sadio Mane? I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable the, the hold he's left in that team. But I think, you know, the other areas that are a problem, and, and I mean, Klopp says they're not a problem for him. They certainly are for Gareth Southgate in England, and that's Trent Alexander-Arnold, mm. who, you know, as he's growing in age and maturity, still doesn't want to really work on his defensive attributes. And that's being, you know, that's leaving holes for Liverpool in, in the same way that Southgate, therefore, won't trust him for England. But that midfield, we knew this season the midfield was going to be a problem. We felt it needed some attacking flair and someone that could play between the lines 
and maybe break through. But but the, the Fabinho's and the Hendersons and the Caters of this world, they're just not protecting that back four. It's, it's too easy to get at Liverpool's back four. And teams like Brighton, and we saw Newcastle before, and Napoli, the way they tore them apart in the Champions League, are reaping rewards. And, and this Liverpool team is a shadow of the one that we expected to see this season. I've got a soft spot for Brighton, uh, basically because my best mate from school, he's got a son who's been in the Brighton Academy since he was nine, and he's currently 13. And so I've always got a soft spot for Brighton. I'm I'm hoping he'll one day rise to the heady heights. But (laughs) they're still in the Champions League spot, um, that point against Liverpool, while Liverpool weren't flash. Um, It's good for Brighton. Uh, Roberto De Zerbi, new man at Brighton. You guys... I, f- I feel like you appoint managers with the hardest names to say. Uh, he, he'd be happy. <laughs> he'd be happy with his results so far. Yeah, I, I think he would. I mean, look, Brighton's an interesting story. I, I was lucky enough in the summer to get get to spend some time uh, with a guy called Dan Ashworth, who worked at West Bromwich Albion for lots of years, then worked for the FA with England, then he went to Brighton, and, and basically he works as a technical and sporting director to, to set up the infrastructure of the club. And, and certainly West Bromwich Albion before he turned England around and the work he's done here with Brighton is now reaping the rewards. My worry for Brighton is how long after he's left, if he's now at Newcastle, will they continue to see the benefit of the work that he's done? Mm. And the secondary part of that is with Graham Potter, who was the other key component in that work to set that football club up. How long will that legacy last? before potentially it starts to tail off. And that's my fear with a new manager. Great result on Saturday. Really fantastic performance. And that, that same kind of attitude uh, and application from the players uh, and the structure that they have at the club, how many seasons will it last before it needs reinvigorating is, is the challenge, I think, for Brighton. But listen, if you if uh, your friend's son is in the academy, the way Brighton produce players, there's every chance to get in the first team at some point because oh. they are so good when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah, and just the the stories what they do with these young academy blokes with tutors and pick them up to school and take them to training, and they play in the exact same strip. And uh, it was a fascinating evening I spent with him when he was down in New Zealand and his son and just. Seeing his wisdom around football at such a young age, it was, it was marvellous to see. I, I did want to talk about Man United. Possibly United City and Liverpool were the three biggest followed teams in New Zealand. Uh, but Man U, now I know they lost 6-3 to City, but I've got a massive Man United fan that works with me and he seems to think Ten Hag is finally getting to show his technique as a manager. What do you, what do you think about United? Uh, I, I think everyone got a little bit, as ever with Manchester United, the the response from fans and journalists and reporters and commentators is always uh, extreme. It, it's never measured in my perspective. So the opening games of the season, that defeat at Brentford, which was you know a poor, poor performance, there was always going to be time that was required for, for Ten Hag. And I think everyone felt the manner of that defeat and then the way they responded after that against Liverpool and going away to Southampton and getting the win and some of the performances we saw, everyone went, oh, he turned the corner. It was never going to be that simple. A corner was never going to be turned that easily. And I think what we saw against Man City was a return to to those issues and problems that he needs to solve. Nobody tell me that Casemiro is not ready to start for Manchester United. Nobody can tell me he is not a better option in that holding midfield role 
than Scott McTominay or Fred. I mean, it is utterly ludicrous that, that, that anyone would ever believe that that's the case. Because this man was playing Champions League football for Real Madrid. <laughs> he was winning the Champions League with Real Madrid. And now, in people's opinions, Scott McTominay is a better option. But I don't know what's going on with Ten Hag. I agree that his, his work, you feel, has probably started to pay off. But the fact that he, he chooses to leave him out still, and also, you know, comes up with some excuse like, oh, I didn't put Ronaldo on because I didn't want to embarrass him because everyone was so bad. I mean, truth. What a response. <laughs> what a, I can, you know, so I, I, think, I think he's going to be good for them, but this is not a five-minute job. This is not a one-season turnaround. For Manchester United to become the Manchester United that they were, we're looking at three or four years. Because that club and that squad has still got some rotten apples in it. Mm. Last team I wanted to ask you about. Now, the, the other romantic team of recent years in the Premier League is Leicester. Now, 19 played 20. Uh, Leicester, Nottingham Forest this morning, New Zealand time. Leicester got the win there. Um, they won the league in 2015. Uh, and sat at the top end of the table ever since. What's gone wrong? Why Why are they in the relegation zone? Uh, money. It's, it, it's as simple as that. Mm. It's down to cash. So, you know, they've got some potential financial fair play restrictions that were heading their way because they have, since the league win, they've invested big. They've invested to try and keep that quality. They've invested to be competitive. They've invested to try and keep getting into Europe and into the Champions League. And unfortunately, it's caught up with them. So the, the sale of the likes of Kasper Schmeichel and, and what, what had to happen eventually with Wesley Fofana has weakened the squad. You know, Danny Ward, the goalkeeper, is no Kasper uh, no Schmeichel. There's, there's no, you know, he's 34, 35 now. He's not at his peak anymore. So they've not strengthened because of those financial restrictions. Yeah, I just, I just enjoyed that season so much. Maybe fall in love with the Premier League all over again in 2015 when they got the win, and like my, the, the finest bit of cotton is Jamie Vardy still there, and that's that's my only hope. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, the the issue they had, I think, as well, um, and it was a big game. It was a big game this morning for you guys, obviously for for us tonight here. I think if Brendan had lost tonight, he'd have been on his way. And, and you know what? It wouldn't surprise me the nature of the defeat for Forrest tonight if Steve Cooper's on his way. Because, you know, these chairmen show, show very little mercy. I think they've been very kind to Brendan Rodgers because of what he's achieved over the last few years. One more I wanted to ask you about was uh, West Ham. Um, picked up a win, uh, but they take on Anderlecht in the Europa Conference League this Friday. What do you make of West Ham at the moment? <laughs> What do, you, what do, you, do you want the uh, impartial view or do you want the West Ham fans view, i.e. me? Um, I want you. Tell me you. <laughs> OK. So as a West Ham fan, I was massively relieved with Saturday's result. because We were a little bit better. We're nowhere near the quality we need to show. And, and the problem is, and people say to me, oh, you've had a bad start to the season. I go, listen, do you want to go back a bit further? Do you want to go back to the, like, the last 10 games of last season when we were poor again? <laughs> and I think it's all, as you talk about the whole Conor Leicester thing, there's, there's an evolution that goes on with teams. When you taste a little bit of success, you know, you want more. And the way you get more is you think by buying better players. 
and improving the quality. But it's never that simple just to go out and buy five or six players, pop them straight in the team, and you, you all of a sudden make everything okay. It doesn't quite work like that. So I think we're a work in progress. We've had two great seasons. I think we saw some kind of seeds of, of progress on, on Saturday and Alex coming up. But, you know, the most important game is our league game next weekend. It's not, it's not Anderlecht on Thursday night. It would be nice to get the three points and get that in the bag. But I think you play the second string on Thursday night and you and you just try and get this Premier League form on the move. That, that's the most important thing, to get scoring goals and to get those new players bedded into the team. Up the hammers. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> Come on, you irons, my friend. Come on, you irons. <laughs> hey, Adam, awesome chatting to you, buddy. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming on over here in New Zealand. And... Uh, I always watch with sort of rose-tinted glasses when I look at the results or I happen to stumble across a West Ham game. And I think of you and uh, and how you are on the edge <laughs> of your seat cheering a team. I love the passion of Premier League fans. Uh, thanks for coming on today, buddy. Any time is a pleasure. Fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, EPL. And it's funny, you know, whenever I'm talking to one of our correspondents about EPL, Sam and also Captain K, transfixed by Premier League chat. Uh, How'd I go, Sam? You did fantastically well, Mark. Thank you. Yeah. Who is your team, by the way? Well, you said Brighton, and I know you're a Fulham fan. Yeah, yeah Craven well, Cottage. Well, I'm not a massive fan. Like I'm easily swayed, but that's the only home game I've been to. Craven Cottage. Well, I'll claim it was Fulham against mm-hmm. West Ham. But my mate Nob, his son um, Ollie, is in the Brighton Academy, and uh, just hearing hearing what it's like down there, it sounds fantastic. And if Ollie ends up playing for the the senior team, uh, I'll probably jump on Brighton. Kids, you're a Liverpool fan, aren't you? You'll never walk alone, Sammy. That is correct. <laughs> I am a Liverpool fan. Hey, Steph, I saw someone text through you never walk alone before. Yes, I so saw So whoever that. that was, I'm with you, brother. Yeah. Um, 11 points off the lead. Yeah, no, they're done. They're gone skis. Yeah, oh, look, to be fair, I'm I'm not going to come up here and say we're going to come back the big red machine. We're here. It's just, it's it's been something that I haven't seen in five or so years. The interesting thing about the Premier League nowadays, sort of in maybe the last five to ten years is that the team that wins it will only drop like three maybe four games so you you can basically be dead and buried after seven or eight games from a title race which yeah, is quite remarkable you know like yeah for the title yeah because 11 behind um mm. a you have to win and the 11 ahead of you have to lose correct yeah and when you look at like other competitions I and mean, take your pick of any competition but you know super rugby whatever it's like you lose a couple of games you can turn it around right mid-season you can turn your season around you come back you can make a final etc but when it's round robin mm. you're so cutthroat the top of the table and that, there's no quarters semis nah. finals where you get we've just got to make the eight yeah nah. and so I, I almost think that they're well no they are done pretty much i think for the title i mean it's city is just it annoys me because it's just money in football isn't it it'll be different if they were like the penrith panthers and they had built it you know, from the ground up, but the, but it is just money. Mm. You know, it's but they are just almost unstoppable, basically unstoppable. And Harland is just a freak of nature. 
He sounds amazing. I want to watch him. I haven't watched him yet. He's quite a, like an awkward guy, isn't he? Like he's big. And... He is. He is huge. Yeah. He is huge. But that that was the thing that worried me. And I, I said on breakfast, and I've, I've had to bite my tongue, I said I think he's just going to have a very slow start to the EPL. It's the most physical. <laughs> I said because I said it's the most physical league in the world. I just feel like he's been used to playing in in the Bundesliga in Germany, where it's not as physical as the EPL. I thought he'd struggle to adjust because I thought everyone would go for him. But he's just he's putting everyone on their backside at the moment, and he's knocking them past fourteen goals in eight games. When was the last time we saw that? Cristiano Ronaldo probably. Yeah, and yeah, and I mean, when you've got a good teammates around you like you do at City, like they just give it to him on a dime as well. You know what I mean? Like they're setting him up for just total success. So having Kevin De Bruyne in your midfield, that's just he's automatically not a, bad, a cheap. Not a bad code. man. The guy that doesn't age and looks like Prince Harry. Does he? Type him in. You, you say it looks like Prince Harry. I What's his name? Kevin De Bruyne. D e b r y n e. I reckon if I go Kevin space D. Oh, he'll come up. There it sure. is. He's, yeah. he's, he's second tell, after Kevin Durant. Tell me you don't think they could pass for a Belgian Prince Harry. Images. I saw they're actually oh, looking yeah. for that. Yeah, look, he could. Maybe you he did, could do you, it. Did yeah, you see for that? the crown. They're looking for the 18 crown. To they're looking for uh, eight, 18 to 25, was it? Oh, yeah. yeah eight, they're looking for 18 to 25-year-old Prince Harry lookalikes for the Netflix series The Crown. There he is. Well, he's not 18 to 25, though. He's like 30 now, isn't he? Oh, gosh, he doesn't look that young. No, oh, no, oh, he, that old. he doesn't age, Steph. He, he looks you, about 23. You look at photos of him when he was like 18 and now, he does not age. He's the anti-ager. He's Benjamin Button. He is. My brother looks very, very similar to Prince Harry, but unfortunately he also falls out of that age range. So if you're listening and you think <laughs> your child looks like Prince Harry and you want them to be a star... Or you yourself. The funny thing about that thread on Facebook is you can imagine the replies... It's yeah. just comedy. Some of the entries that people are sending in, it's just. And then someone sends in saying like, "Oh, my son would be great." And you look at it and you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's the he's identical. Like it has to be that guy." So it's it's a it's a great thread on Facebook if you can find it. Fantastic, fantastic. I used to go to school with a guy that was he could have been the identical twin of the Milky Bar kid. Everyone thought oh. he was the Milky Bar kid. Yeah, with the glasses and, yeah, the, and the blonde, blonde hair. hair. Yeah. Wow. Milky yeah. Bar okay. Kid only eats fast right. Milky bar is creamy white. This little milky bar. It's 2.30. Let's go and find some new sport and weather. Get us out of here. We are going to talk some ANBL. Now, it wasn't a game in Australia that has rocked the world of basketball. It was a game in America. And the Adelaide 36ers, not the 76ers, they're just 36, but they did a dance on the Phoenix Suns, who are one of the best in the NBA. Here to try and explain what is going on, our good ANBL friend uh, Liam Santamaria joins us. Uh, Liam, shockwaves in the basketball world. Yeah, they caused them yesterday, didn't they? The Adelaide 36ers, absolutely spectacular performance. And they created history. First time an NBL team has ever beaten an NBA side. And they did it in pretty fantastic fashion. As you say, just draining threes from all over the floor. They hit 24 threes at nearly 60%. And they shocked the basketball world. And when you say threes, I didn't watch the game, but I watched the highlights this morning. Some of them were like two or three metres beyond the arc. It's, it's unmarkable. You're right. It, it, was, it was. It was unguardable. 
what they they started to do eventually. I mean, it began with Daniel Johnson early, and they weren't ridiculous shots. They were just quintessential Daniel Johnson mid-range and three-point looks where DeAndre Ayton did not want to come out and guard him in that space. And then it rolled on from there. Robert Franks and Craig Randall caught fire. And by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, those guys were hitting shots from, man, way downtown. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the NBA three-point arc is already deep, and they were just shooting it from audacious places well beyond that range. So you're right. It was unguardable what they were doing. And it was a matter of whether or not those shots were going down. And they were just in that beautiful place that basketball players get to sometimes where they just could not miss. It is a massive warning shot to the other teams in the ANBL who all got underway in the weekend. Um, and they would have been watching that and going, geez, when are we playing Adelaide? Because I don't really want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's already strong kind of... Um, excitement around that squad because they did some really cool things in free agency uh, bringing in Antonius Cleveland and Robert Franks and then a guy out of the G League in Craig Randall who has shown that he can get buckets um, so there was already a strong feeling that they were going to be a tough team to beat this season but then to come over and, and do that you're right massive warning shot across the bow saying yeah we see you guys back home getting started on the NBL season but we're coming for you when we get back in town. And in the meantime, we're getting things done over here across the Pacific. We haven't spoken rosters with you yet this season. Um, Sydney Kings, defending champions, massive roster changes for, for defending champions. And they lost last year's MVP uh, in Jalen Adams. Um, they've gained a Pistons guard, Derek Walton Jr. He is an assist legend. What's early take on Sydney Kings? Uh, they're going to be really, really tough again. Um, you're right. They lost the best import trio in the league in Jalen Adams, Ian Clark and Jarrell Martin onto big contracts elsewhere. Um, but they've reloaded nicely. Now, they've got a couple of Aussies on that squad in Xavier Cook and Dion Vasiljevic, who are high-level operators. And both of them will be you know, thrust even more into the spotlight this season. Um, but they've brought in some nice pieces around them. And you mentioned Derek Walton Jr. He's a stud. He's going to be an absolute star in the, in the ANBL this season. 32 points and eight assists on debut for the Kings as they got a win over Illawarra. Um, and the other pieces they've brought in, Justin Simon, former defensive player of the year. Tim Suarez, a big guy who can stretch it out to three-point range. Looks like they fit pretty well within that roster. So they're going to be right in the thick of things come the pointy end of the season, once again, the Kings. Uh, both Melbourne teams, they've, they've signed some NBA experience. Uh, Melbourne United, I like this, this guy, Ray John Tucker, um, arrived in Australia and said, G'day, my name's Ray John. I'm NBL's best import. He's <laughs> <laughs> highly quotable. Highly quotable. He said, he also called himself Showtime. He said, I'm an entertainer. And uh, you're right. He, he said, I'm the be-. He then went on just to give that a little disclaimer, which I liked, where he said, I'm the. I, no, I'm the no other new import to the league ticks more boxes, which I thought was nice because it was a bit of a tip of the hat to Bryce Cotton, who's a legend of the league and still getting things done. But yeah, he's a highlight machine, Ray John Tucker, and um, yeah, Melbourne United, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, those two Melbourne teams, despite plenty of changes to their roster over the off season, 
loaded with talent and both got off to winning starts in round one. We're talking to Liam Santamaria. He's the ESPN NBL analyst. Uh, before we go, breakers, um, really sad for Tom Abercrombie uh, with a detached retina or a torn retina. He's back home. He was actually on the breakfast show today and he's just got this big bubble in his eye that uh, he, he's not allowed to fly, but he's hoping he can play some home games, not allowed to fly for seven weeks. But looking at some uh, new cattle, uh, Jarrell Brantley, three years at the Jazz, not a regular starter, but he's a he's a two-metre player. And Barry Brown, Jr., I was really impressed with him in their first hit-out. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a standout, Barry Brown, Jr. Um, and you're right, he was really good in that overtime loss to Melbourne United. The, the other guy, you didn't mention that Derek Pardon mm. was, was really good in their first game. He had a 20 and 10 double-double and um, you know, he just plays that role as a pick and roll and a lob threat uh, really nicely. So uh, I, I like them this season, the Breakers. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by what they're going to be able to get done. Um, I know they came into that game with some sore bodies. Uh, Will McDowell-White, Barry Brown were you know, had some, some, some niggles and they weren't entirely sure whether those guys were going to play a day or two out from that game. And they had a bunch of other guys who were sick throughout the week. So to come out, push Melbourne to overtime in that opening game, I thought was a pretty impressive performance. And now they get ready for the much-anticipated home opener um, where they return to Spark Arena. So plenty of excitement around the breakers right now. And finally, uh, their coach. I hadn't seen him before. Have the breakers now got the most animated coach in the league? (laughs) Without a shadow of a doubt. (laughs) He's, uh, he's a ball of energy, Modi Mayor. He brought that kind of enthusiasm as an assistant the last couple of seasons. And, yeah, heading into the season, I said, Modi, are you going to just kind of, like, chill out and come down a little bit <laughs> as the head coach? And he said, oh, I just bring whatever's required, Liam. And um, I think that that natural exuberance just, just tends to flow out of him come game time. Yeah, I love to watch it. Hey, Liam, thanks for joining us today, talking NBL. We'll catch up again. No worries. Cheers. Brilliant. ESPN NBL analyst Liam Santamaria joining us there. Yeah, I quite liked what I saw from the breakers, actually. Didn't mind it at all. We're going to play Mastermind, are we, Sam? Yes, we've got Mastermind. It's the same one as yesterday. We ran out of time. It's the weekend of sport that's just been. 0800 $100 lifestyle focus voucher is up for grabs for the highest score for the week. Give it a go. 0800 Mastermind. And this is why Mastermind's coming to a slow and painful death. No one called. Again, two days in a row. <laughs> but hey, I've got lots of texts and we do have The Vault coming up, which is the new, improved, amazing game show that uh, Sammy and Captain K came up with. Um, that'll be very shortly. Uh, and we'll give you a brief on that. So many still, so many good scandal text messages, so I'm going to hit some of those now. Oh, actually, Ken has texted and said, Staffy, I'm a sad old Burnley fan, relegated, but I'll stay with them. Of course you will. Of course you will. You would have been gutted when Christopher Wood left. Um, scandal, sporting scandals over the years. Fozzy getting a contract extension two years into a current contract. Matt Lodge getting paid 750k for two years, not having to play, then getting paid to play Union, then for the Roosters, and Mike Acevo dropping the ball over the try line to ruin my multi. There's some scandals. There's some ripper scandals. Um, We talked about Wayne Carey and the indiscretions of him. 
Um, I didn't see this, but they just said, oh, I have to hit another button to read it. Here we go. <clears throat> Did you see Wayne Carey on Australia SAS program with celebrities on it? His scandal really hit him, and he suffered from severe depression. He said at the time um, it was brought up, uh, he was brought up with no remorse or feelings. Everything was just about him, but it hit him like a ton of bricks when he stopped playing. I can believe that. I can believe that. Uh, from Mark Staffy, my grandson has just made the Warriors 18s Academy squad. He played rugby this season and went along to the fight, uh, to the trial just to make up the numbers. So now the Warriors' journey begins. Oh, he's 18, so in four years it'll be our year, Mark. Let's go. Uh, Staff, the 2015 Cricket World Cup scandal, Cricket World Cup final. Baz batting first against the pumped-up Aussie, <laughs> Gary. <laughs> Staffy, has Tiger Woods been mentioned yet? From when he was overusing his one wood while on tour. It really was the start of a downward spiral. Imagine his career if that never happened from Aaron. Bang on. How? Oh, because that ruined him for a good two or three years, didn't it? He disappeared for a while when he was in his prime. Staffy, what about the Mark Maguire, Sammy Sosa using creatine while they battled to hit the most homers in history? I think it was a bit more than creatine, actually. If you search that Belco um, podcast, it was a bit more than creatine. Um, uh, and another one, a scandal from Dave, the Blues giving the bledders, uh, giving Bodie the Sky Tower to get him shift to Auckland. <laughs> It was, remember when he moved from the Hurricanes to the Blues and then the first Blues season he took a sabbatical? Went to Japan, so they had to wait two years to get him. Yeah, but oh, what an influential player. Um, Geordie Barrett's going to do the same. Signed off for three years for the Hurricanes. Bet your bottom dollar he won't play all three. He'll probably play two. Go and get a mill. And I don't begrudge him that at all. Go to Japan. It's Japan where you do sabbaticals. Um, Less likelihood of a bad, bad injury, etc. So good on him, Geordie. Uh, re-signing with Taranaki and the Hurricanes for another three years, which is it, it, it's good solidity for both, well, for all of New Zealand rugby. New Zealand Hurricanes and Taranaki rugby as well. Right. The vault's going to come up now. No mastermind. No mastermind. I have to do another little question. No, I've got to chase tomorrow. Uh, so give us a yell. 0800-150-811. The Vault is a game we play where we have some sporting audio that you have 10 questions, yes, no questions, to try and figure out what the sporting moment is in The Vault. It's jackpotted. It's going to be $100 TAB bonus bet if you can get it today. 0800-150-811. Give us a yell. Ten questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault? Jeepers, I feel science fiction, Sam. You're like in a movie, Steph. Yeah. Yeah. We have a new contestant, and it is Craig. G'day, Craig. G'day, how are you, Steph? Very well. Did you listen yesterday? Uh, No, but um, because I couldn't listen yesterday, when you were chatting about it at midday, I went and listened to the podcast. I did hear yesterday, but I heard it today. So here's your choice. As it's a carryover, $100 TAB bonus bet, you can either choose me repeating three questions from yesterday, which you obviously don't need, or you can have me twice if you want. Not compulsory, once in the first five of your questions and once in the second five of your questions. Yeah, I'll take you twice. 
All right. Very confident he knows the answers from yesterday. Okay. All righty. So we've got 10 questions. We had 10 yesterday. Uh, $100 up for grabs. $250 TAB bonus bets. We'll probably do five now, five before the news. Craig, what is your first question? Was it in South Africa? Mm. Yes. <laughs> I don't think he's going to take 10 questions, but they're, but he there, can. they're there for <laughs> he you. He can if he wants to. Use them all. Was it in the 90s? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Was it at the 1995 Rugby World Cup? Possibly, yes. <laughs> Not possibly, oh! yes. 95 Rugby World Cup. Did it involve Jonah Lomu? Yes. Is that four questions? That's four questions. Steffi, you're up then. <laughs> Steph's going to ask a question here. This will be fifth. So with the last question, then we'll take some news, and then I'm guessing we'll either you can ask five after the news, or you can just give us a guess. But Steph, what's your question? Did it involve Jonah Lomu? Um, did it involve Mike Cat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I reckon we got it, Steph. <laughs> I do. Too. Do we wait, Steph, or do we? Or do we just do it now? Um, no, nah, do it now. Okay. So you can either well, well, if you if you want to have a guess, I mean, look, if you get it wrong, Craig, yeah, <laughs> it goes to tomorrow, mate. So you're, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself, but it's up to you if you want to have a go at the winning combination. I tell you what, he's asked five questions, all yes. Yesterday, Dave, I've asked ten, nine no's. Mm, well, Dave got rid of a lot of them. Dave's yeah, helped you out the here, Craig. Yeah. Righto. Oh, Dave's helped me hugely. So are you going to have another question or are you going to have a guess? Yeah, um, oh, I want some more questions. So go to the news if you want. Okay, he's got oh, some more questions. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, he just wants okay. to. He just wants to make triple, you know, yeah, triple sure. Because if we go to the news now, it's three minutes to look on YouTube the highlights of uh, the nineteen ninety five Rugby World Cup involving involving Jonah Lomu, Mike Cat. It seems obvious, but I know how you operate. Yeah, Sam. that's right. I do throw people under the bus I from time to time. I do know how you operate. Yeah, Sam Hewitt. We will resolve this with Craig from Tauranga. After the news, also after the news, going to find out what do horses eat? How do you feed them? I'm looking forward to that. That is with Paxton Condor from Dunstan Feeds. And uh, it's back in the day. There's more to come. More to come after the news. He's been on hold. I'm, I'm intrigued what his next question is. The vault. Uh, Craig from Tauranga is on the line. He said, was it in South Africa? Yes. Was it in the 90s? Yes. 1995 World Cup? Yes. Did it involve Jonah Lomu? Yes. And then I chimed in with, did it involve my cat? Yes. Craig rejoins us. More questions or a guess? Oh, just one more question and then a guess. So okay. I, I, I guess it's just... Like you said, you're always sceptical about how Sam's brain works. Oh, so, no. Um, oh, whoa, 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 Craig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Let's keep this pleasant, please. <laughs> so my next question is, is 
Chapman in question made iconic by Keith Quinn's commentary where he couldn't get words out. <laughs> now, you've asked a lot of things there. Well, uh, you just one thing. Well, you, well, maybe it's true that it involves Keith Quinn, but maybe it's not true that he couldn't get his words out. You know what I mean? It's a lot of Does elements. It involve an iconic Keith Quinn commentary moment. Correct. Yes. Okay, so let's go with one of... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay, go on. <laughs> just okay. want to let you know what's at stake here, mate. If you get it wrong, we go to tomorrow. So just <laughs> keep that in mind. Okay, I'll still, I'll still have a guess. Okay. I'll still have a guess. So let's, let's go with one of Joan Lomu's four tries, Rugby World Cup semi-final, All Blacks versus England, over the top of Mike Cat when Keith Quinn... Almost sounded like having an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Craig. Let me punch that into the vault keypad and see if we've got ourselves a winning combination. I'm just punching it in now. Sounds like it's opening, Stash. Sounds like it's opening. New Zealand maintaining possession. Wide to Lamu. He's got the bounce. He's hit. Lamu! Oh, oh! Oh, muscle and pump! He's over for the early try. Two minutes into the game, Jonah Lamu. Well done, he's cracked the vault, Steph. He's our first vault cracker. You beaut. Cheers, guys. Appreciate that. Hey. No, I, I do want to shout out to Dave from yesterday because that, that, his question took a huge amount. He's actually texted through and said, bugger, I'm in 2G country. Of course, he's a wonderful truck driver and he couldn't, he tried to ring and he couldn't get through. <laughs> so what, yeah. so Craig, you came in pretty hot today, um, straight off the bat with the South Africa question. So what was it about yesterday that sort of sent you down that path? What, which questions well, were, I was guess, it? I, oval ball, not rugby league, not AFL, so it had to be rugby. Uh, wasn't in the 2000s, um, wasn't in New Zealand, wasn't in Australia. Um, so that kind of left South Africa really for, for decent rugby, the most iconic thing that happened. So if it wasn't Jonah, then I was heading for the Sean Fitzpatrick punching the ground, the All Blacks. Ah, uh, um, 1996. You know, series win. So well, I was kind of tossing up those two. Well, he could have even gone the. You mentioned Mertens, didn't you? Mertens Stransky drop um, goal. Yeah, I thought of the Stransky drop goal that, he might have picked, yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting yeah, because if you had said South Africa, right. And you you did know straight away that it was the Lomu thing, but you could have said South Africa, and then you could have said '95, and you could have said a World Cup, and it still would have been Stransky, and you True could have been both. thinking Lomu. So, yeah. um, so well, yeah, it could have been. Did it involve Jonah Lomu? And you could have said no. Yeah. Then you would have been stuffed, Craig. <laughs> well, yeah. That then then I, well the other thing, Rugby World Cup was Mark Ellis's sixth try. Yeah, um, I did but, contemplate yeah, that as well. Mm. Yeah. So, so there was a few kind of options, but yeah, getting a lot of yeses helped. Yeah. Well, look, there's a lot of a lot of valuable things in the vault, and Mark Ellis, uh, Joel Stransky, Andrew Murray, they might be in there somewhere. They might be in there somewhere. Uh, somewhere. Before you go, Craig, uh, we've got a text message in from Dave who who tuned in yesterday. He said, "Well done, Craig. Here's my TAB number." <laughs> <laughs> well, good. If I if I get some winnings, I'll throw I'll throw some his way. <laughs> nice, nice. There we go. The love amongst the afternoons crowd. Well done, Craig. Yes, Dave. And that is a big thanks to the TAB. $100 bonus bet. So you're going to have to come up with another one, Sam, for Thursday. That's all right. And, you know, I'm just going to learn as I go. I'm going to, it's going to be difficult to crack on some days, the, the vault, and I'll sell you up rivers that you never knew existed. I like know. you'll say Northern Hemisphere or Southern Hemisphere will be on the equator, you know? And you'll say both. Exactly. It can't be.
<laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you. But um, no, it's great. It's going to be a lot of fun, I reckon. I do like it. I do like the 10 questions. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I doubted we'd ever get past a two-dayer. But imagine that. Imagine if we got to a, th- a third day, 150 bucks. I know. Whew. It's a, it's like that, you know, that they say three degrees of separation, all that sort of thing. It's amazing that all of the sporting events that have happened in the world in the history of time, you could potentially get with six or seven questions. Yep. That's the amazing yep. thing, eh? Quite remarkable, actually. And I'd like I said, yes, I think um, they've had a few dud questions in there, but... You know, didn't know they were dud. No, no, but I'm t- you're right in that you could get it in sort of six or seven, you know, if you sort of go down the right path. But, yeah, it all... It's, yeah, it's fascinating how it all works. I think the ones that will really get people staff are um, Olympic moments mm. because... You got so many Olympics to pick from. It's hard to whittle down the years, right? Because it can happen. It happens every four years. Um, you know, if I don't pick a New Zealand moment, there'd be just a whole list, a raft of them. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Someone texted in the show yesterday. Was it Carlos? And he said he had a strategy for how he would win this I game. Saw, I saw. Yeah, I saw his questions. They yeah, were pretty I'm good. Not, I'm not going to read them out because that's his strategy, and they were quite good. Like you load the questions that gives you more information than a standard question. Mm. So there you go, people. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And um, it jackpots if you can't get it in the first 10. So well done to Dave yesterday, helping Craig today solve it with one, two, three, four, five. It wasn't, oh no, six, because the Keith Quinn commentary question. Uh, that... That was smart. That was a very, very smart, smart thing to do. Um, I was contemplating, because we didn't get any any contestants from Mastermind, I was contemplating doing that now, but no. No, Sam? No. We'll take a break, should we, Sam? Or should we do Mastermind? What I'll tell you, what, you what we'll reckon? do, Staff, eh? We'll make it easy for people. Okay. We'll, we'll do Mastermind after 3.30, okay. shall we? And why don't we give them the first question so that they already start on one? Um... <clears throat> Okay, who won the WRC Rally of New oh, what, Zealand? Don't, don't give the answer, just give the question. Yeah, who won the WRC Rally of New Zealand over the weekend? There you go. And I would think that's potentially one of the hardest questions. Uh, you're probably right, actually. Although yep. the second one. The second one, yeah, the first two are difficult, and the next eight are money for jam. There you go. So that'll be just after 3.30, so um, get your sparkling headgear on and uh, your, what's it called? Your, what are those things you put on, not... AI, what are they called? The VR, VR headsets on, yeah, and channel some uh, news. A couple more scandals have come in. Uh, Nancy Kerrigan, Tonya Harding, has that been mentioned? I think you're the first. I think you're the first to mention that one. And it may have been said, and sorry, Sam, but that one-day game, which shall never be mentioned. Scandalous. There, there are truckloads of scandalous sports ones. We've had some rippers through today, so thank you for that. Uh, you are on... Oh, jeez, I've just closed the wrong box on my computer. I have to fix that. Um, you're on Afternoons with Staffy, and a big thanks to Gull for joining us every day, 12 through 4, gull.nz. Get on there, sign up for the notifications, and then once a month they go boom, and they go, there's 10 cents a litre off, or there's 12, or there's 15, and you just go in. Fill her on up, and it also shows you where all the local stations are nearest to you. Gulp.nz, fueling your mission all year around. Righto, we're going to have a break, and on the other side, um, Dunstan Horse Feeds.
fueling our equine champions. I don't know what horses eat. I don't know what they like. I don't know what they don't like. Are they picky eaters like us? I'll find out after the break when we join Paxton Condor from Dunstan Feed. All afternoon, it's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. We just had a thought. Uh, we had a good text, actually, uh, from doesn't uh, Harlem Shine. Goodness me. Um, lads, awesome game. Why don't you make it five questions and make it a little bit more difficult? We've actually, we're actually thinking we might make it seven, Sam. <coughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, you just said, like, we step down, so maybe seven one day, five, five the, next the next day, three the next. Three the next. And you can get two questions from the previous day. Chuck that, yeah. Good suggestion. We'll work on it. Look, it's a work in progress. It's a, yeah, it's so a this is, what do you call this this week? You call this a, uh, it's like dummy a probation run. period. It's a dummy run. Yeah. It's a dummy run with prizes, though. Yeah. Dummy run with prizes. So the vault every day. Um, someone's, oh, someone's suggesting a vault question for you, Sam. I'm not going to read it because I don't need to know. But we're going to talk about feeding the beast, the beast that is equine. And uh, if you're feeding horses or you want to feed horses, you probably already know about this crew, but I wanted to know about the people at Dunstan Horse Feeds and what their selection is like. And what do you feed a racehorse? It's fa- it will fascinate me. Paxton Condor from Dunstan Feeds joins us. G'day, Paxton. Hey, how are you going? How about that name, first of all, Paxton? <laughs> Come on, you've, you've explained it your whole life where you got that name from. I sure have, and I've never met another one yet. <laughs> no, I bet not. Is it, there, there was a very famous NFL player, Bill Paxton, I think, or it's a, oh, it was an actor, Bill Paxton. Yeah, last name, yeah, but I haven't seen a first name. So huh? a message from Nam book uh, was the name of the book, um, written by Danielle Steele. There you go. Where my mum got it from, apparently, so there you go. Right. Very basic question, and you can probably talk for 20 minutes, but don't. What do you feed a horse? <laughs> like the, the stuff, the stuff that you've got. I've gone onto your website. I never knew there was such a variety, a smorgasbord, a veritable smorgasbord of food for horses. You name it, we've got it. Yep, that's for sure. Um, over fifty products that we offer at Dunstan Horse Feed. So, um, plenty of different options for horses of all shapes and sizes, doing all sorts of different things. So is it, it's, you know, we eat because we get hungry and we just need it to eat to live, but you're, you're dealing with like athletes when it comes to horses. To, how differing a diet does one horse in the racing stable and a stable mate who lives next door, how different can their feed be? Yeah, so every horse is different, obviously. So um, it can be as simple as not so different at all or completely different altogether as his mate next door. So, um one horse might tie up, so they need specially feeds for that, or um, one horse might need more energy or more weight or prone to ulcers. So, yeah, totally different things. Um, so we need to make sure that we're catering for horses of all aspects um, in our feeding programs. So it's like um, you do have horses that go out for a spell and they can put on a bit of condition and come back a bit burly or fat, for want of another word. Do they have, like, um, low-calorie feed or and that sort of thing to get them into racing shape? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So we've got um, feeds for spelling horses, pre-training horses. Um, obviously, when they're born, we've even got um, a specialty feed called Orphan Foal, so a special mix for a horse that loses its mum, little foal loses its mum. Um, so that's got a bit of milk powder in it and things. So, um, yeah, all sorts of different different ones. Um, obviously, your racehorse needs high energy feeds, so... Um, 
we're looking at muesli blends with um, oats and things like that. So. And because the horses, and you actually, well, maybe you can talk to them, you guys at Dunstan. Uh, I don't know, but you can't actually go go like a human goes to a doctor and says, "Look, I'm feeling a bit lethargic." Um, so say, "I'll take some more iron or that sort of thing." Is it through blood tests to find deficiencies? How how do you work a program to find out what you should be feeding them? Yeah, so every trainer's different, obviously. So the um, trainers work very closely with their horses. So they know those horses inside out um, and their team that they've got around them. So, you know, your stable hands and your jockeys and track work riders and your vets and farriers and everything like that. There's a big team behind um, each and every horse and they, they seem to know what's, what they need to do to get the best out of their horse and um, do that through their feeding regime and their uh, fitness regime and, and all the rest of it to make sure that they're at their best on race day. We're talking to Paxton Condor out of Dunstan Feeds. Now, this is potentially a silly question, but I'm here. I'm, I'll put my hand up and say it might be a no silly question. It's a silly question. Okay. <laughs> Do racehorses still eat grass, or is it all out of the bucket and in the stable, in the stabling area? Do they get to eat grass much while uh, um, in a preparation? It definitely depends on the trainer once again. So there is many horses that are um, trained out of the box. Um, they might go out the paddock for a couple of hours a day. Um, and then on the walker again in the afternoon and, and things. But, um, yeah, once again, depends on um, your situation, your environment that you've got at your stables. Some some trainers will have them in the paddock and some will have them in the box. It depends on the environment that you're in. Because you get those, um, now I'm just trying to, the Kaimanawa horses, all they eat is grass. That's it. So a horse can survive on just eating grass. No supplements, no feeds, no, I don't know, some better beet extruded flakes or whatever these things are, and your staggers <laughs> nuggets. They can just live on grass, can't they? They sure can, but you don't want to see your Kaimanawa trying to win the Melbourne Cup. Touche, touche, Paxton. I don't mind that from you. Um, tell me what extruded means, too, while I'm asking silly questions. You've got a Dunstan extruded barley, you've got extruded maize, you've got extruded rice. What do you do to food to, ext- to make it extruded? Yeah, so that's a, um, a specialty formula that we do with Dunstan. So um, our nutritionist, Greta Weber, would have been a probably better person for you to be talking to if you're wanting to find all the nitty-gritty. I'm just the marketing manager. But, um, yeah, and extruded, all our feeds are extruded, so the cereals are actually cooked um, to get the benefits out of the grains um, so the horse can digest them properly and um, they can get the best out of them so they're getting the you know the energy and the nutrition that they need from from those grains, so you're not going to get that from a grain as a raw component. Um, mm. Extruding it's a much better option. So you got like, um, like I was going to say horse chefs or like so- equine scientists that formulate these things. <laughs> where, where, where's the science behind all of this? Yeah, so we have a dedicated equine nutritionist within our team. Um, Gretel's been with us for many years now, um, well over ten. And um, she'll work with the trainer. So we'll design specially formulated diets for each and every trainer. So she'll go and test the pasture, find what they're lacking, um, find what each and each stable is lacking, what each trainer wants to feed with them, and we can develop their specialty feed specific for that stable. Is, is there still room in the in the diet for a racehorse for the humble carrot, the humble apple? <laughs> You'll actually find that many racehorses don't. Some of them will, but some of them don't like the carrots and apples as they do they're um, not used to it or yeah the odd one that once again every horse is totally different so 
you'd like to think that they'd get the odd treat every now and again. They're working hard. Yeah, they are. Well, I must be part horse because I don't like carrots or apples myself. So um, you've solved one. <laughs> you've solved one. But we've actually had a text in from a listener just here saying, Steph, there is a young man from Wellington who plays golf with my son and his first name is Paxton. And he's currently in Oregon on a golf scholarship. So you've got a namesake. <laughs> Oh, look at that. Little old New Zealand. Who would have thought? Who would have thought he's in Oregon? Okay, now, for a human also, last question. What is the weirdest supplement you got that we'd just go, really, they eat that to make them do that? What would be the first one off the top of your head? Oh, turmeric. Horses, uh, we feed horses turmeric, or we feed horses, uh, what's in our feed? Cooked peas, lupins, um, Plenty of different things. An old-aged one is some people would roast pumpkin to bring out the colouring in a um, horse's coat. Wow. So, plenty of old wives' tales out there to um, get the the best and added edge to each and every horse. <laughs> yeah, I guess if they're stressed, you could give them some St John's wort, and if, if they're living in the deep south, not getting much sun, you can give some vitamin D, etc. And I just noticed, um, I'll just back on, on your website here, racing training, uh, studs and breeders, uh, you've got the supplements, and equestrian as well, which you're a very proficient person as well. Um, I'm trying to find the bit I found... I think it's on. Just I delay and muck things up all the time. Uh, fibre. There was something about fibre, and a horse has to eat fifteen percent of its body weight daily in fibre. That's outrageous. One, one point five percent. Oh, of its my eyesight was so bad. I missed the point. Yeah. <laughs> but that's so still a crucial point there. Yes. So is that is that part of the? Um, uh, the loose expellation we see in the birdcage from time to time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so fibre is a hugely important component in a horse's diet. So um, you want to make sure the fibre is key so they can get that obviously through hay, pasture, um, your meadow chaff blends and things like that too. So yeah, fibre is important. And then we um, we assist with the grain component to add energy and protein and calorie and all the rest of it to their diets. Well, wow, fantastic. Look, um, Dunstan Horsefeeds, you've been a name that's been in my head for years and I've never spoken to anyone from you because I've, I've never had a stable or owned a horse or anything like that. You sponsor a lot of stuff you in the industry. Well, ownership. I used to. I used to. I used to. I used to. I've had about 10 horses over my time, but I've never had the association with the feed place and as I say you sponsor a lot of stuff you're a really important part of the industry so thanks for all of that your passion dedication and Dunstan that is your little tagline and I like it um, Paxton thanks for joining us today good chat no worries thank you for having me cheers there we are Dunstan Feeds I bet you learnt something Sam I bet you learnt something Sam right there I thought the 15% um, fibre thing was high and I missed the the point five mark, but I might have missed it. But did you talk to her about the packs in, in Oregon? I might have missed that bit. Yes, I did. Oh, you did. Yeah, she was yeah. very chuffed. Little yeah. old New Zealand, two Paxtons. Yeah, over in Oregon. I wonder if it's the uh, whoever that uh, texter is. Is it the the U of O, the University of Oregon, the Ducks? Currently, the, in... the, the Ducks. That's a great athletic school. That that must be quite a f- good young golfer if he's. I reckon if you like Google Paxton Golf Oregon, you'd probably find him, Sam. I think you'd probably find him. Um, <clears throat> yep, uh, he Paxton Jones, 
Uh, he was the captain of the golf team at Scots College. Sorry if we were revealing too much about him here, but uh, <laughs> Paxton Jones was the captain of the golf team at Scots College, won the Wellington College Championship as a senior, as a call. He's at Williamette University, um, which must be in, in Oregon. Williamette. Do you are? Yeah. Um, Do, uh, actually, no, you go. You go. A great text message from Rory. <laughs> oh, Rory, you're on fire, son. I keep having a recurring dream that I'm a horse, and that's four nights on the trot. <laughs> Rory, if you could send that through like on a regular basis, it makes my day. It really does. Just constantly. I went back and forth with Rory once on a New Zealand Herald. It was a long time ago on a New Zealand Herald comment section. Yeah. He's a great man. Rory, you're a good man. He is a good man. Um, And someone texted and said, oh, did I miss the vault? Was it the 95 World Cup final? Locked now. Been locked again. So you're going to have to go back and listen. Oh, okay. It's locked up, Steph. We can't. We, we don't just open the vault willy nilly and let someone walk in because they missed it. You know, it's 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 all it's been bolted up, closed the door. It takes a lot to open that thing. A lot of admin. <laughs> okay, Sam. You know, jeez. Just listen to the podcast. Check his new little babe. You have to listen to the podcast. I'm not allowed to do it. And Pill Paxton, of course, was the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. Oh no, he was. Yes, he was. He was the. Do you know he was the only per, only person to be killed on screen by the alien in Ali, the Alien film. Uh, the Predator in the Predator film, and oh, there was one other like famous monster there. Oh, um, and the Terminator. He was the only actor on screen to be killed by all three of those beasts. Wow, yeah, <laughs> real random fact, but it came up in a in a quiz, a pub quiz. Are they three different movies? Three different movies. Yeah, oh, and the Hulk was in all of them. No, no, no. He Bill Paxton. Oh, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Yeah, his his character got killed in the Alien film, the Predator film, and the Terminator film by oh, so the by the villain. He's been more than just the Hulk. He's been a yeah. He's been a villain in oh, a number I, of films. I don't know him as I don't even know him as the Hulk. I oh, know I him. Do. I know him an Alien. I know him in Predator with with Arnie. You know, get to the chopper. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, I have seen it's one of Predator, those. Predator. Yeah. Is that science fiction? You could classify it as science fiction, Steph. Certainly not historical. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Bill Paxton. I've watched RIP too. He died uh, in yeah two years ago, I think. Did he? I think so. Yeah. So four times he's been killed. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mark. No, 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 no. Uh, last text before we go to the new Steffi. That lady was interesting. On the horse theme, I think I found a roughie for the New Zealand Cup. I'll read it after the news. I need to get on before I read it out. Dave, thank you very much. Thank you very much. New Sport Weather. Here's Karen. I just want to bring up something from the news. Mm. There's been two stories in our news bulletin today. First one, mm-hmm. Lord got in trouble for endorsing Efeso Collins, who's the mayoral candidate in Auckland. That bulletin just then, Jacinda Ardern has just endorsed Efeso Collins. Okay. Publicly. So why can Jacinda Ardern do it and Lord can't? I'm not taking sides, Labour National, mayoralties, blah, blah, blah. I'm just... Is there... Are you allowed be. to endorse if you're a politician? Because Golrez from the Greens, she's endorsed the Fiso Collins on social media flat out. Lord did. Same candidate. 
and she got in trouble. Yeah, it must be to do with being a post. Did you say Jacinda's endorsed him? Yeah, it was in the news just then. Yeah, I find that a bit weird that the Prime Minister's giving an endorsement to, you know what I mean? Like swaying people to vote for someone. That's a bit Or bit off. dissuading them. Hi, Staffy, it's Karen in the Hi, newsroom oh, here. Yes, <laughs> she brilliant. Is. Just Ooh. like that. Can you throw any Just light like on this? Listen, I can, and I, I thought the same thing as you when I heard, uh, heard that, but apparently, according to the rules, people are free to share who they vote for or, or going to vote for, but they can't share documents which instruct people on how to vote for certain people. So I think the problem for Lord was she put something out on her Twitter feed or Instagram feed I think that might be the difference. So you can say something, but uh. you can't actually put it down in writing, as it were. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Thank you for the clarity. That's why you're here. I'd have to go deeper, but that, that, that's my understanding of it. That's, that's yeah, I, I know exactly why you were wondering how is it that uh, the mm. PM can say that and get away with it. I think that's the thing, because she said it rather than issuing something in a document form or in writing. Oh, Aunt Rule, so folly. There you go. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Wonderful, Karen. Uh, providing clarity. Happy to help. Thank you, mate. Now, that reminds me of, um, I think, one of the most entertaining things you can read, one of the best pamphlets or booklets you can read, is your voting booklet. Because there are some nut jobs in there, Steph. There are some absolute fruitcakes that are running for certain councils and bodies, and I had the best one. I, I wish I had brought it in. I could have read it out for you on air, but um, it was – And pretty the current sh- one? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was for my local like body, which is up in Rodney, and um, it was <laughs> – are you going to look it up, are you? I'm going to try. It was um, – What was it? A Rodney I think it was council? a female. I think it was a female, and she literally just wanted to ban – like everything known to man. It was like, due to X, Y, Z, I'm going to ban Roundup. I'm going to ban pesticides. I'm going to ban uh, fluoride. I'm going to ban bananas. I'm going to ban <laughs> berries. And like the list just went on and on and on. I was like, <laughs> what, are we, what world are we going to be living in under this lady? So Right, I've found the candidates. Oh, here we go. Look for one and it's like, she was very heavy on the freedom, you know, the rights and the freedom of the... Of the unvaccinated, etc. Independent, um, unaffiliated. Oh, there's a lot of them. Oh, look, I, I just you just have to be so careful what you say. So careful what you say. Rhodes is the issue. It's one of these. You've only got five to choose from. It might be. It was either that or the. There's three things you vote on, isn't there? There's the mayor. So this is the Rodney Ward candidates. Yeah. So there's that, and then there's something else. There's two things you vote on for like your area, and then you vote on the mayor. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think it's local board. So maybe it was local board, and then there's the council yeah. representative. Oh, it's too long. To oh, find. I'll go find it. Okay, you yeah. go find it. Yeah, the the mayoral races. And what did you say? Something like the latest count of votes received, population wise. Yeah, the story that came out, I think it was two or three days ago, were, were that we were at eight percent turnout. <laughs> For the votes, I mean, a lot of people will do it last minute. Yeah, but it's at eight percent or something, which is just embarrassing. For what you know, for a lot of people, it's going to affect you a lot more than the politician that you vote in. You know what's even more embarrassing? What is it? Is still a postal vote? Yeah, I know. And and I, you want young people to vote? Mm-hmm. Create so, an app. Yeah, but then it gets hacked by the by the rations. Well, just, just just automate it somehow. I had a great idea years ago. Go and, on. And it never, it never came to fruition. When I was at the TAB, make the TAB the voting centre because they're all over the country. So accessibility, fine. You close the TAB for betting for a day, and that's election day. 
and you instead of bet slips, they're voting slips created in the same code as a race. And so a meeting four would be electorate four. Would they have odd, would they have odds as no, well? No, no, it's nothing to do with betting. <laughs> it's just using the equipment for a day. And you put the bet slip in and it counts your vote because it's got your electorate, your party, your, 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 your party vote and your candidate vote, which is all read off your electorate that you're in. Mm-hmm. Instantaneous. And when, po- uh, and when voting closes at 7 o'clock, result. All done. No counting. It's all done. Not bad from you, Mark, but, you know, it's open to it. But I, I was ticking these boxes with my pen, just being like, this is so stupid. Like, if you made a mistake, you know, you'd, you'd, you're basically cooked. You've got to get a whole new voting paper. Um, what if you took two people? Then if they receive that, would it just be null and void? Or null would, and void. Would, yeah, okay. There's just a lot of... And there's the other ones where you have to tick, you put the numbers in, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. What's that one? As well, that's another... That, um, that might be in Wellington. And so... Oh yeah, it's weird. It's just I don't know why it's so difficult. I don't understand. Should we give someone one more chance to play Mastermind? Do you want to? Should we give them a chance? Just to get rid of these questions. Oh, we said we were going to after three thirty, didn't we? Okay. Last chance. Mastermind today. And you'll be leading. You'll be guaranteed to be leading this week because and we're only gonna do it uh three times. Hundred dollar lifestyle focus voucher and don't underestimate their products. They are fantastic. Once you try them. You won't go back. And this is 100 You'll be able to get three or four things with a $100 voucher. 0800-150-811. Mastermind is the weekend of sport that's just gone. From 1950s Southland rugby to Irish tiddlywinks, this is your chance to prove that you truly are a mastermind. Righto, we got a contestant. Got a few contestants actually. We're taking this one. Uh, Jerry is going to have a crack at Mastermind. G'day, Jerry. Yeah, g'day, Mark. How are you? Very well, sir. Uh, ten questions you can pass. We'll come back if there's time. There usually is. And uh, whatever you score today, you will be leading. So I wish you luck. Two minutes will start when Sam starts the clock. Question one Who won the World Rally Championship of New Zealand over the weekend? Oh, it was Kelly, oh God, Kelly something or other. That'll do, Rovan <laughs> yeah. Who top scored yeah. for the White Ferns in their win over the West Indies on yesterday morning? Yeah. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll go with um, Bates. Maddie Green. Sergio Perez won the Singapore Grand Prix in the weekend. Who finished second? Leclerc. Correct. How many total goals were scored in the Manchester derby in the English Premier League early yesterday morning? Nine. Correct. Who won the Clive Churchill medal for man of the match in the NRL grand final? I backed them, actually. I, I got some good $7.50 odds, and that's still an average. Which hooker scored four tries in the final round of the Bunnings MPC? Oh, no, sorry, I don't have no idea. Pass. All right. Also in the NPC this week, which team had the biggest winning margin? North Harbour. Correct. Ryan Fox won the Dunhill Links Championship this weekend. What course was it played at? um, St Andrews. Correct. Uh, The New Zealand under-19 rugby team are currently touring which country? Oh, goodness me. Give us a clue. A friend. Can't pass. 
After four rounds of the NFL, who is the only unbeaten team? Miami Dolphins. Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, name a hooker in the Bunnings NPC. Happened to score four tries. Oh, goodness. goodness. Um, yeah, I don't even watch it. Sorry. That's all right. And, uh, okay, you're done. Time's up. But I'll tell you what. Four, five, six. Yeah, it was a Safawa Moore. Scored four tries. And the under-19, New Zealand under-19 rugby team are currently touring South Africa. So, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six out of ten, mate. Not bad. Yeah, and I don't even have Sky TV. I don't watch NPC, and I should have got a, a, a mower. I should have. But, hey, that's not bad. Mate, six out of ten. You're leading. You got the yellow jersey. Well done. All right, mate. Cheers, buddy. Well, I mean, he was throwing off, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. You can't be saying that. I mean, you're talking about getting nervous about talking about politics on here, Steph. We can't be saying things like that, you know, not when there's kids listening. Yeah. 3.49 on a Tuesday. <laughs> Steph. Apologise to me. Uh, from Corey. Uh, Steffi, great pickup on the voting laws. I was thinking the same thing. Lord put up a picture of her voting card with a tick next to the name, which is a document, as opposed to saying who to vote for, who she voted for. The same people must also write the rugby rule book as these voting endorsement laws how pedantic it is pedantic whether i tell you on radio now whether i all vehicles of me telling you who i voted for why are they just laws are so pedantic aren't they we had a candidate have to be careful with these we had a candidate phil i'll trust you we had a candidate on i won't say where that didn't even live in that area and was running for all three councils i think he was with the money free party or something like that and he wanted to ban money <laughs> go crypto um, good luck also finding a post box to send in your postal votes I drove around for ages and I got lost I found a sausage roll and went home you're my kind of person you are my kind of person Dave said Lord should sing her endorsement uh uh, Jacinda also endorsed um, Paul Eagle here in Wellington this week as well. So she must say it. Um, goodness, Steffi. <laughs> I have to take a break. I can't, <laughs> I can't read these games. Break. Play the back in the day music, Sam. No, just there's a lot of text here, Steph, that I think you should read out. And I can't see my um, my um, text machine's crashed. Um, Mark, I'm, I'm, I, it, was, it says get Sam to. I don't know what, where that was going, but yes, uh, it will be put into the folder, the secret folder, and uh, we will be revisiting that at a later at a later date. Cool. Along with the many other bloopers as well, Steph, that oh. have happened throughout the year on all sorts of shows. Yes, and news. That is going to be one Reels. heck of a show at the end of the I hope so. Of the year. I hope I've got enough there. I've got quite a bit now. Yeah. Thanks to Ryan Fox. Thank you, Ryan Fox. Uh, sorry for making you miss your lids on your cheese pies, making you spit out your coffee, uh, your advice that I need to pull myself together. Another person that um, spilt their drink. And Craig saying, Fox, me. That was quite a slip up. <laughs> Let's go and have a look back in the day. It's the 4th of October, and on this day in 1992, the great Denny Holm passed away, massive heart attack, 
during Bathurst in Australia. He was 56 years of age and got eight victories. Eight Grand Prix victories. 1998 on this day, Ian Healy broke the world record for the most test dismissals by a wicketkeeper with his 356th victim in the first test against Pakistan in Rawalpindi. He overtook Rod Marsh, countryman. In 2001, the evergreen Ricky Henderson, he was 42, he passed the legendary Ty Cobb for the all-time run scored. Want to read a good sports book? Read the Ty Cobb book. Something about the terrible beauty or something. Unbelievable book. Uh, birthdays today, AC Green turns 59 today, NBA Hall of Famer. 57 today, uh, fantastic American boxer Mickey Ward, tough as teak. 53 today, well-known golfer from Australia, used to wear a magnificent bucket hat, Lucas Parsons. And 34 today is Derek Rose. It is my distinct honour to present the 2010-2011 Kia NBA Most Valuable Player Award to Derek Rose of the Chicago Bulls. And that was it. That was it. 2010-11 MVP for the NBA, the youngest ever. Uh, 26 today, Manawatu, first 5'8". Manawatu, first 5'8". Brett Cameron, happy birthday champion. You played well this year. No results. Uh, Lace them up for the Hurricanes next year. Maybe the New Zealand 15 very soon. New Zealand rugby player. Happy birthday. If you're born on this day in 1996, the number one movie was The First Wives Club. The number one song's Punishing. Punishing. Dance if you want to. Oh, stop doing the dance step. Oh, that, no, don't cross the arm step. Oh, yeah, oh, it's dancing. Oh. I am He's not dancing. It. Believe me, hey. I am not dancing. <laughs> oh. I am not dancing. Oh. Tell you what, he's a fox. A fox and good. <laughs> I am not oh, just foxing. Yeah. What a show. Nearly made it through. Blemish free. Just tripped at the last hurdle. Thanks to Captain K. What a job you're doing on social media for us, champs. Follow Afternoons with Staffy on your social media. Thank you, Sammy Hewitt. The run home is coming at you next. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.